Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Hello, you guys. Welcome back to another not so many mini episode, a hiatus episode. I don't know what you call it. Um, today, I am so excited because, well, last week we had a Degrassi centric episode. I will say that Stephen Brogren from Degrassi, aka Snake, has now officially followed me on Twitter, um, which is probably the most mortifying thing that's ever happened to me in my life because it's just like, it's, it's again, the internet reads me all the time. Like the feedback the internet gives me is just reading the shit out of me. Um, but today we have on some guests, more Degrassi centric stuff. It's Sainik and Lauren from the Everybody Wants Something podcast, which I just did with them. It's so fun. They go through all of the Degrassi Junior High series, which I have to say I'd only seen a little bit in pieces and I just had so much fun talking to them and um, they brought up a killer among friends. And I know you guys have been talking to me about this movie since I started this podcast. This is a movie that you guys have wanted to see or hear us talk about for so long. And I've always put it off because I feel like I don't know if I can do it justice, uh, especially in a mini episode. I was worried, but then after we had this wonderful conversation about Degrassi. I was like, I feel like if I can fuck with anyone doing this movie with me, it's these two. So welcome to the show, you guys. Thank, Thank you. you for having us. Yeah. I think this is my first time being tag teamed as well. <laughs> I have never had two people on this podcast at once. <laughs> wow. So the truth very is very exciting. Yeah. It's- um, <laughs> okay. So... This movie, I'm going to read the Wikipedia for the real case in a little bit, but essentially it's about girls that grew up together um, and two of them turn on one and murder her. And I know you guys went to elementary school, middle school, whatever together. So I have to ask you, is was this inspired by something in your life that you wanted to do this? Do you have anything to confess <laughs> to me before we start? Oh, my gosh, Sonique, did you kill someone? Is this your is this your confession right here? I mean, you know it's I, just a chance. It's a chance to get it off your chest. <laughs> yeah, no, I absolutely think it is. Well, you know, actually, no, I never heard anyone, but this is my time to tell you, Lauren, that I have been secretly jealous of you for years. <laughs> I don't know. I set my eyes on you, and I'm just like, I have to get you one of these days. Um, by the way, you guys, like just side interesting thing about Lauren, I learned last time we talked, you normally Mm. live in China. I do. I do normally live in China. I've been living there. This is my, well, was my fourth year. I'm in America right now because Corona, but (laughs) yeah, that's where I usually, I'm a teacher there for English students. 
Do you mind if I ask, like, because I know you mm-hmm. came back because of Corona. How did that work? Did you, when you came back and you said February, I think? Yeah, so I actually, um, I actually didn't come back because of Corona. Um, I, during, when Corona was happening, I was on winter break for my teaching. It was like their holiday for um, Chinese New Year. And so I decided to take a trip home to just come visit my family, you know, enjoy my time off. <laughs> and, and then shit hit the fan and I'm still here. So <laughs> now you're like really visiting your family. Yeah, like, we're you guys really are close. <laughs> super well acquainted at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, Okay, so I'm going to read the Wikipedia for this case um, because we were talking a little bit beforehand about how they change, like, the main problem girl. They change a lot of her story (laughs) in this movie, um, which, you know, I think was somewhat necessary, but also the things that they chose I found to be very troubling. So um, this is the true story of Michelle Yvette a.k.a. Missy Alvia. Yeah. Alvia. Yeah. Let's go with that. (laughs) She was an American teenager who was murdered by her former best friend and rivals, Karen Severson and Laura Doyle, in October of uh, 1985. So I was just a little baby. Michelle grew up in... Arletta, Los Angeles, um, which I don't think is a real place, by the way. I've never heard of Arletta, Los Angeles, in the San Fernando Valley. Michelle and Karen had been best friends since they were eight years old. The two girls began to grow apart when they entered San Fernando High School. Severson apparently grew jealous of Alvia because she was considered more popular and attractive. Severson was also upset because Alvia began spending less time with her, opting to spend time with boys. Severson later started a rumor that Alvia had been having sex with various boys. As a result, Alvia was beaten up by a group of girls who accused her of sleeping with their boyfriends. During the girls' junior year in high school, Alvia began dating a boy named Randy. Um, So, Missy, she broke up this relationship after a month due to Randy's constant partying. Um, Shortly after the breakup, she and... uh, Laura and Randy began a relationship and eventually moved into an apartment together. Severson, Laura, later told Missy's mom, Irene, that she once witnessed Randy pulling Missy onto his lap. Missy told Randy that she was not interested in rekindling their relationship and advised Laura to break up with Randy. The incident angered Laura, so she stopped speaking to Missy. Ten days before Missy's death, the two got into a physical altercation in a neighborhood park. According to witnesses, Severson threatened Missy with a broken beer bottle and then pushed and slapped her. Okay, that's intense. Um, so on October 2nd, 1985, Missy told her mom that she was going out with her school friend, Laura Doyle. Oh, wait, I think I've been calling these people by the wrong name, but you're following what I'm saying. <laughs> so Laura picked uh, Missy up and the two left. Four hours later, Laura called uh, Missy's mom and asked her to speak to Missy. After Missy's mom told her that, told Laura that she thought her daughter was with her, Laura told her that she had dropped her off with three boys driving a blue Camaro. After getting gas, Laura said that she returned to the location where she dropped Missy off, but she thought the three boys were gone. Um, so on October 5th, Missy's body was found face down in a stream in Big Tahunga Park in t- Big Tahunga, wait, Big Tahunga Canyon in the, 
Angeles Nat- National Forest, which, by the way, is 12 miles from my, or 12 minutes from my house, oh, which shit. is it's crazy. I know that is like and this is, by the way, the way this movie plays out. It's not like a Los Angeles story. It seems they paint it as very small town USA. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um yeah, her body was found face down in a stream. She had been forcibly drowned in eight inches of water. Her waist length hair was hacked off and there was a four foot log found on top of her body. So Irene, Missy's mom, later said she had no reason to suspect Laura or Karen were involved in her daughter's death. Both had attended Missy's funeral and Laura sent the family a sympathy card along with $20. Weird. Um, that is so weird. Karen also moved in with Irene, Missy's mom, for a time to console her and become her sur- surrogate daughter. Although this dis- uh, is disputed by Karen, Karen also seemingly obsessed with, was also seemingly obsessed with the murder. She vid- visited Missy's grave several times a week, covered the walls of her room with pictures of Missy and newspaper clippings about the crime, and she repeatedly visited the creek where Missy's body was found. At one point, she told Irene that she had seen Missy's ghost. Police had no leads in the case, and the case went cold. And in July 1988, Eva, Eva. Cherimbolo, another teen who had taken a 45-minute drive into the mountains, came forward and told the police about the murder. Laura and Karen were arrested and charged with first-degree murder. According to the prosecutors, Laura and Karen lured Missy into the creek and then proceeded to yell at her about her supposed promiscuity. Both girls accused her of having sex with their boyfriends and told her that she had messed up too many relationships. The two then held Missy face down in approximately six inches of water. To hold her body down in the water, the two placed a four-foot, 100-pound log on her body. In March of 1990, Laura and Karen were convicted of second-degree murder and sentenced to 15 years to life in prison. The jurors later said they were not convinced that the murder was planned and and rejected the first-degree murder charge. Karen was released from prison on December 9, 2011, after serving 23 and a half years. Laura was released from prison in December of 2012 after serving 22 years. After Laura, um, after Karen got out of prison, she began promoting a memoir about the crime and her prison experience and made a deal to have a film produced. Missy's family sued her in 2015, seeking to take the profits of the sales. The state of California passed Missy's law requiring uh, entities who are helping to publish works made by the crimin- made by criminals to contact the families of the victims about the said works. Okay, so that's actually a pretty um, significant law because I've long been under the impression that it's illegal to profit from um, a crime you've been charged with. Yeah, that's what I thought too. Yeah, I remember that happened something similar with OJ and him trying to, like, he wrote a book telling him, telling everyone how he's supposed to do it or how he would have done it. <laughs> if I did it? You <laughs> mean, yeah. The book, and then if I to- did it? <laughs> <laughs> I remember, like, they had to add if, because I think originally it didn't have the if. So I wonder <laughs> he is if- too bold. Like, honestly, I realized that OJ has to an extent been stopped, but like he mm. really needs to be stopped. <sighs> I mean, yeah. ugh, 
That, uh, he's on yeah. Twitter. Like that he means- should. <laughs> he's not. Are you serious? Yes, yes. OJ's on Twitter, and like people. You know, like, I think most people get like, okay, he's a murderer, but like, of course, mm-hmm. people are trolls and weird. And like, it's kind of like a <clears throat> meme a little bit that OJ's on Twitter. But yeah, he'll like tweet from the golf or, you know, he'll tweet like a video of himself from the golf course. Like, he's totally out living a normal life. And the that weirdest thing insane. about it is that like, he's like an, like, he's like a grandpa, like a grandpa age or like a dad. So it's like a dad on the internet on Twitter, but it's also OJ Simpson, which is ridiculous. <laughs> it is true. Like, just playing golf, but like deep down inside, <laughs> may or may not have killed some people. <laughs> well, that's yeah. exactly right. That's exactly right, Lauren. It's like he is like cringy, like a dad, but yeah. like there's this dark undertone of like, oh, but we all know you're a murderer, so there's that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this movie, I have to just get this out of the way because I know m- some of my listeners in the, you know, above 40 set will get very mad at me if I don't point out right away that Jean Monroe, Tiffany Amber Thiessen's mom in this, she plays Jenny Monroe, is played by Patty Duke. I just want to get yeah. that out of the way. <laughs> um, I learned today that Patty Duke passed away, so that was tough. Um, but mm-hmm. I definitely would say that I can I get some shit on here for not knowing some of um older Hollywood. Um but Patty Duke had a career, baby. Oh yeah. And boy did she give yeah. us a Patty Duke performance. <laughs> like <laughs> I love Jean. I loved it. She gave us a very strong miracle worker vibe. Like she really was going for it for this TV movie. And I, I really enjoyed it. I didn't realize that she was on one of my favorite shows, Touched by an Angel. I believe playing a character named Jean. Stop. Wow. Yeah. I can't. <laughs> Were you guys around for Touched by an Angel? Yes. I remember I, I that being was. on like the weird religious, like, I don't know what channel it was. My grandma used to watch it, though. Yeah, I would Before say that. 30 years ago, no, not 30 years ago, probably 25 years ago, my ass would be saddled up to the TV this time in Massachusetts, and I'd be on my Murder, She Wrote journey, about to get to my (laughs) Touched by an Angel journey, and then I'd go to bed. I'd have a cup of tea while I watched Mm -hmm. Touched by an Angel, and then go to bed, because I was a good little little mama's girl bitch, and I... (laughs) None of this behavior in this movie is relatable to me. I never got to have these teen years. I don't think you guys did either based off of the Degrassi conversation. This was very foreign to me. What's happening here? No, we were, we were very, very good kids, very much good girls um, growing up. So I could not relate to dating my friend's ex-boyfriend and then being upset and then murdering someone. It's just like, it's just, out of my wheelhouse totally yeah it wasn't even until like later in the movie that i realized that they were supposed to be teenagers i thought yeah. they were like 25 <laughs> minimum i think not until we found out that like oh jenny you're starting off your senior year like after labor day i definitely thought they were out of high school mm-hmm. yeah and well i mean I don't know. I mean, Kelly Kapowski at that point might have been one of America's most famous high school students because this was made in 1992, which was right after Saved by the Bell ended and when the new class or when um, the college years began. So 
this was like she was popping at this time. And I feel like this movie, I understand why it was probably so iconic for people who grew up like the way the face on the milk carton movies were for me. Oh, I feel yeah. like this was your version of that if you grew up during a certain time. Um, but yeah, so um, this movie opens up. We find out right away that like, you know, Jenny Monroe lives at the cool house. Um, mm-hmm. This is the house where all of the teenagers feel comfortable rolling up. They all hang out. They, they like to watch these um, home movies. And um, I always was jealous of families that were like prolific with their home movies. Oh, oh yes. So I thought they we, were rich. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> so we kind of had that. Like I, I distinctly remember, I think I was like six or seven when my family bought like a camcorder and it was truly like the most amazing thing to me. Cause one in my head, like I'm a six year old. So I'm like, Oh my God, are we rich? Like <laughs> this, yeah, is, I like, know. this beautiful technology. And I remember like we did sometimes like watch old videos of us. Um, I remember we uh, filmed ourselves going to Disney world and that was like the thing we Iconic. loved like the most to look back on. And it was actually like so much fun so yeah i mean they weren't cheap back then to have like a home camera that was like twelve hundred dollars it was expensive i mean Mm -hmm. even if you got the ones that had like the vhs built into the side those were like so expensive to like film directly onto a vhs um but yeah so they're watching um these videos and jenny's embarrassed by them um but her mom's like come over here so she calls her over and her mom just is like absent-mindedly braiding her hair and you can see ellen just like immediately zero in on this and she is jealous that her mom braids her hair so oh, man there's this little girl and at first we don't know who she is like it kind of looks like like the oopsie baby that might have happened in that family. Like, cause the kids are in high school. Her younger brother is like a freshman. She's going to be a senior. And then there's a way older brother who we'll meet later, but we don't know who this baby is. And then we find out, Oh, it's Celeste. This is Ellen's daughter. And Jean loves being with Celeste because she thinks Ellen did a very brave thing and choosing to have her, her kid when she was in high school. Um, and, her brother is like this little shit. And like, he comes in the kitchen. He's like, did Ellen dump Celeste on you again, mom? And like, I'm sitting there thinking (laughs) this child is like old enough to know what you're saying. Like she's old enough to absorb a lot of the conversation around her. Um, because you know, I don't know what was she supposed to be like three or four. So that was one of the reasons why I wasn't sure how old they were because she looks like she's about four. Like she, She's not like a baby. She's like a, you know, she's like a older than a toddler, but like younger than school age. So I was like, no, they can't be in high school because that kid's like five. <laughs> like, yeah. Right. Like, definitely in pre-K. And like, she's you know, definitely in middle school. Like, <laughs> We know from Degrassi, you can have sex once and get pregnant. But mm-hmm. I find it very rich that like allegedly the teen mom in this movie is all about what a hoe bag Jenny Monroe is. Because <laughs> I'm like, Calm down. Like, you have a kid. I don't think that, like, you're really in a position to, like, slut shame your friends. But, like, go off, queen. So, <laughs> they are having a barbecue. And this is, like, again, Jean's house is the spot. Um, 
And one of the friends, Kathy, is talking to Jean and she's basically like, my mom doesn't listen to me. Like, can you call her about it? And Jean's like, I'm going to call your mom. And I'm gonna, which, by the way, I love that. Like, can you imagine being a mom and getting a call from like one of your friend's moms <laughs> being like, listen, Kathy just thinks you could be doing a better job. Um, and I'm here to relay that message to you. My mom would like never let me go over to that house again. My mom would have cussed that mom out, probably. Oh, <laughs> for, for sure. sure. <laughs> like, rule number one in life is, like, don't tell people how to raise their kid, right? Um, yeah. But Jean says, you know, you got to listen to your mom, too. It's a two-way street. So that is, like, the that's Jean's motto as a mom. It's a two-way street. Um. So then Ellen and Tiffany, um, a.k.a. Jenny, sorry, I call her Tiffany sometimes in my notes. They talk by a lake, <laughs> and we find out that Ellen's baby daddy is, like, he is not in the picture. He calls, but he doesn't even ask about Celeste. He's very uninteresting. And her new boyfriend, Dan, keeps calling her fat, too. And yeah. Jenny's like, well, I've got apple cheeks. And, you know, like, as if that's the same thing. Like, her beautiful high cheekbones are the same as, like, a teenager recovering from pregnancy. Like, are you kidding me? I would She's also like, one. oh, you know, I have, like, a teeny tiny little button nose. So I understand what you mean. <laughs> My hair is too shiny. (laughs) Um, Which, by the way, like, if that was motive to kill her, like, I would understand. But, like, this other stuff makes no sense. Um, But, yeah, so she, they carve um, uh, Jenny and Ellen, friends to the end, into a tree with a pocket knife. Because it has, you know, basically, like, we're friends for forever. Apple cheeks or fatness, whatever. So then um, they go to a mall. And every guy at this mall is leering at Jenny. Like, it's true 90s horniness that, like, yeah. would never pass in today's world. But, like, guys are like, ay, ay, ay. Like, they they're, they're so <laughs> horny and extra with how they're, like, ta- they're all, like, just, like, leering, like, pervs. Um, so, yeah. yeah they're I thought, at what I, thought, I yeah. yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just like, I, I just loved their, the entire time that, um, I'm going to call her Tiffany too. Jenny was alive. Um, like the juxtaposition, the juxtaposition between Ellen and Jenny and just like their outfit choices (laughs) is, is so telling for what their friendship is like because Jenny was, Jenny was showing up to the mall. She was in a fit. She had her nice little, um, so cute hat and her little yellow and white outfit and of course the boys are gonna look at her it's the mall you show up you show up to be looked at at the mall in the 90s that's what it is totally (laughs) and ellen is probably still wearing like her maternity clothes like they have her looking so unfortunate throughout this whole movie yeah yeah bad haircut too like a haircut that could be cute on a lot of people but on ellen it was just depressing and her name is like ellen like it's just like you know i've also always wondered what it must be like um like in a movie role or tv role having to be cast as like the frumpy friend yeah the actress that plays ellen is not in any way like unattractive they're going out of their way to make her look like the frumpy friend but like what is that like? It's like, yeah, we're just going to like cast you. You're going to be like the ugly one. <laughs> like, you know, Jenny's the hot one. You're going to be the ugly one. You're going to murder her. Like, how do you go through that? Like the casting list, like who talks to you before that? Cause I don't know. Like, 
Oh, I mean, I think like your agent makes your options clear to you when you are signed. Like they're like, you're, you're more of like a friend of role. Like you're more of like the, you're, um, God, why am I forgetting the name of the character? It's like not the, like Tiffany Amber Thiessen, classic ingenue, right? She is a Mm -hmm. classic, just like, you know, beautiful girl, like no question that she would ever be. It would be insulting if they ever tried to make her seem like a normal girl in a movie. Um, But then, you know, I looked at Margaret Welsh, who played Ellen. I mean, she seems to have played some, I mean, her IMDb picture is kind of sexy and whatever that top is aside, you know, she seems (laughs) to have something going on for her. Um, Yeah. And she has been on quite a few shows. I mean, I'm not really sure on, like, what her MO is in terms of her normal role. But she definitely is, like, a character actress, uh, as they would politely refer to it in a movie like this, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a conversation for sure. Like, it's so in- – I I think about that all the time. Like, when someone just clocks you and says, like, you're not you're not the lead, honey. Like, you are <laughs> – you're tortured, Ellen. Um, so we um, – you know, we're at the mall. And then I – this – Tiffany is, like – Jenny's, like, oddly framed by, like, two racks of white shirts, which I found to be, like, really – um, I don't, I don't know. Like, is it, it's, I'm going to do a Degrassi thing here. Um, <laughs> but like, are they trying to frame her between these white t-shirts and these white tank tops in like an angelic way? Like, cause the store, I'm referring to it as the white t-shirt store in my notes because <laughs> there's other stuff there, but she's just perfectly framed between these white shirts. Um, she's looking adorable in her outfit, checking herself out. And I think also they turn to maybe what is a little bit of Jenny's own vanity a couple times in this movie. Like she's someone who mm-hmm. definitely is not just the pretty girl that doesn't really know it. Like she knows she's good looking. Um, so we're going to play this scene where Ellen confronts her. And then we get at a classic love to see it. A little shoplifting moment. <laughs> so four forty-five to seven thirteen. What? Swear to God, girl, someday you're going to get jumped. Just having fun. Fun doesn't mean going after Dan, does it? Now, why would you say something like that? Ellen? You used to go out with him. Look, it's been all over between me and Dan way before you started going out with him. I know. Just look at you and look at me. I mean, I got a kid and... You have everything. Everybody loves you. You've got the perfect mom. I wish I could trade lives with you. Ellen, it's not true. I mean, you're smart. You're passionate. You're my best friend. I love you. I love you too, Jen. 
<laughs> no way. I was walking around the store with some stuff and, and Jenny sees some guy outside and goes to talk to him and she's got the money. You know I don't have any. So I go to get her and they nailed us. Is that what happened, Jenny? Yeah. Did the store clerk know about this? Of course he did, but he's not going to believe us. <sighs> well, I, I don't know. They told me something different. I'm sorry I can't stay with you right now. But I'm late for work. There's chicken in the fridge. Bye. 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 Okay. So, this is not Ellen's first rodeo. Mm -mm. <laughs> she Definitely knows not. how to manipulate whoever Diane is to her. And we're going to find out that apparently Ellen is adopted, which is something they added to this character. Um, and she says like later, she says like a beat later, they're walking down the street and Ellen's eating a straight up pint of ice cream. Um, <laughs> he says like, oh, like, you know, whenever they, you know, whenever I do something bad, like they don't make that big of a deal of it because I'm adopted. So they know it's not their DNA. Um, and well, let, do you want to get into the adoption of it all now? Why sure. Not? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, let's just cut to the adoption part. So I feel like adopted kids, while, you know, we all know the statistic that, like, there can be some emotional disturbance. Like, that's not an, an abnormal thing. I feel like people lean on adoption in a weird way when they want to explain why someone is sort of, like, fucked up in a movie. And I really hate that. And I think that... It's just, you know, I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, if you went into a court of law and said, like, I murdered someone, but your honor, I'm adopted. Like, that just <laughs> wouldn't, that's not, that's not how it works. And I just thought it was, like, sort of an unfortunate thing that they added to this. Because as far as I know, the real, um, the real woman was not, Karen was not adopted, nor was she a single mom. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's I, a very I think, yeah. Go ahead, Sneak. I think like when I think of like older movies like this, especially like the eighties and nineties, like it was very much like the adoption was for some reason like still a taboo thing. And yeah. like, and an embarrassment to like say that you adopted a kid or were adopted as a child and and I thought that was very weird in this movie that they were like oh well this kind of adds to her like craziness that she's adopted so like everything on top of everything else like she's definitely fucked up because she's adopted it's like what <laughs> like, yeah it gave me very strong like Anne of Green Gables vibes like mm -hmm. are people still acting like adopting a kid is like I don't know, like, because essentially it's like you're explaining away that why this person is fucked up because, like, who knows what their real parents were like? So, like, that's why she's like this. Which my DNA is broken. Yeah, like, it's really yeah. messed up. 
But also and- I feel like they threw it in. Um, so before I, re- before she says that she's adopted, I remember thinking like, okay, nothing about Ellen's mom indicates that she's any worse than Jean. Cause like she frames it as like, oh my God, you have mm-hmm. the perfect mother. And I'm like, well, her mom is annoyed in the situation. Cause like she just found out her daughter is shoplifting. So I don't know if they're thinking like, we have to justify why Ellen like has this weird, like mommy issue. Like why, <laughs> why she's obsessed <laughs> with Jean so much. Like, I don't know. Yeah, the gene mm. obsession I thought bordered on almost sexual at times, yeah. to be honest. Like, I felt, <laughs> and I hate that. I hate projecting that onto movies. Like, people, like women in movies, can have a, a special connection that is not necessarily a romantic one. But it did seem to be a more like primal obsession that she had with Gene. Um, and also like, you know, definitely, I mean, this was like the prime time of being like, you're adopted. Like you would just say that to someone like as an insult, Um, you know, like I still tell my sister that. Yeah. Well, (laughs) now I feel like it's like, uh, you know, post ironic sort of moment where, (laughs) where it's actually pretty chic to be adopted because like they the truth is with like adopted kids is like their parents genuinely really wanted them yeah as opposed to most of us which are you know just products of our parents smashing or whatever but um (laughs) yeah like also the single mom thing like i just felt like it was very stigmatizing um of those two things and kind of lazy like there there's there has to be something much more sinister about someone than being adopted or uh, being a teen mom. Um, but okay. So then, you know, she says, Ellen's like, don't worry about it. Like, I'm going to have Carla steal it for you. Um, and that's her solution to all of this. So, um, then Jenny's mom, uh, comes into the kitchen and she's holding the bikini and she's like, wear this, you know, where's this from? And like, by the way, Thank God, because in most of these movies, these parents have no idea their kid is shoplifting unless oh my gosh, yeah. they oh. see them get arrested. Whereas, like, <laughs> I would say my mom had a pretty intense inventory on my belongings. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And, I, you know. Yeah, I, I stole a chapstick once. And Naimi from a store, I, like, I think I, Naimi stole it. I think I got it from someone or something. And my mom was, like, interrogating me about, like, where it came from. <laughs> How long have I had it? <laughs> also, fucking chapstick. So, <laughs> forget anything else. Right. I mean, I that- haven't lived with my mom in two years. And when she sees me, she still is like, that's new. Never seen that one. Like, <laughs> like, yeah. Damn, I bought it. Like, <laughs> Yeah. And so, her mom's basically like, you know, I've been saving my birth. She says she's been saving her birthday money or whatever. And her mom's like, uh, no, you didn't because your car keys, they were at the police station. That's where you left them. Like, I know what happened. You're in trouble. You're grounded forever. And she's like, but I didn't steal anything. It was Ellen and Carla. They went back and got it. And, um, you know, Jean says that her whole thing here is that she was raised by strict parents and wanted to be looser with her kids, but not that loose. Like, shoplifting isn't going to fly. Which, you know, I mean, I have to say, I didn't really see Jean as being a not strict parent i just saw her as someone who was a little bit more easygoing like you know she's fine with like the kids 
like, you know, drinking all the sodas and like having a barbecue in the backyard, um, which is kind of just easygoing behavior. Mm -hmm. It's not like they're getting like ripped there or anything. But again, she says that like, you know, this has to be a two way street with us. So Jenny says, well, like, you lied to me too, mom. You lied about the divorce. You lied about dad's girlfriend. I had to walk in on them. And I was like, oh, God. Uh, (laughs) It came out of nowhere, too. (laughs) Well, I mean, that's, like, how things go in real life. Like, with parents and kids, like, these small resentments that are not that small at all, they're, like, sort of formative moments build up. And... Sometimes they are responsible for your behavior a little bit. Um, I mean, I don't think the bikini is because she walked in on her dad banging some lady. But, (laughs) you know, that's definitely something that she sits with. So, you know, her mom's basically like, listen, I draw the line at shoplifting and being a coward, um, which I loved. I love (laughs) I love that she hates cowardice because that's my biggest pet peeve as well. I hate a coward, guys. Not my thing. Well, you would get yeah. along great with Jenny's mom. You guys could be old pals. I, I fucking wish, dude. Are you Maybe kidding me? An old stakeout one of these nights. Just dude, they're like, going. she could be nine <laughs> minutes from my house right now. Like, we're, I'm pretty close to her. I mean, would it be weird? She'd find this. She'd find this podcast eventually. And I, if I Ellen her again. if i'm like hey i'm just walking by in the neighborhood like do you need a surrogate daughter um i mean i hope at that point it's a fool me once you know kind of you know shape on you because as she gets fooled again it's like okay come on yeah i know right like i that would be me i would be gene i would like let five people move in with me before i figured out that's probably not the way to go um (laughs) But yeah, so we get to see another moment of sort of w- what Ellen's character is all about because she pulls up her car, like the way she turns the corner when she's driving, as if like, you know, she just has nothing to lose. It's like sort of like psycho behavior where it's like impulsive, yeah. makes bad decisions. Like she just pulls around this corner like a bat out of hell. Um, and she bounces up to the house and then rings and knocks on the doorbell like such an aggressive person. Um, I'm going to play the clip, but and include this knock and doorbell combo because <laughs> this is, you know, maybe, yes, at this time in particular, someone might have had their TV on loud and they wouldn't have been able to hear you. But for the most part, this is obnoxious for a 16, 17 year old girl to do, especially one that typically has a sleeping baby at home. Like, you just don't need to create that much of a rocket. She's okay. not self aware at all. <laughs> And then after this scene, we're going to go to a moment where Jenny is massaging her mom. Um, (laughs) In this scene, we find out why why they might be a little tight on money and a $65 bathing suit is like absolutely out of the question for them. Um, This clip is 942 to 1134. Hi. You can't come in. I'm grounded. Jean doesn't mean me. I mean you. You know, I don't know why I listened to you. I mean, I just caved in. I knew what you did was wrong, and I just caved in. (laughs) It's not my fault you got caught. 
It's your fault that you and Carla stole the suit. I know my part in all this. Then take your part. I have. You have not? Grow up, Ellen. You know, I accepted my responsibility, and I'm grounded, and you can't come in. End of story. Mm. Mm. Mom, this is not the most scientific way to treat a fused vertebrae. Oh, but it always feels so much better when you do it. Uh. Well, a couple more months, I should be off disability. I never thought I'd be glad to go back to bookkeeping. Mm. Mom, hmm? I'm sorry. The things I said. It's okay, Jen. I have a confession to make. I overheard what you told Ellen today. I'm very proud of you for recognizing the wrong in what you did. It's very mature. Does that mean I'm not grounded forever? <sighs> come on, come on. Make it a week. Yes. Rob. I'm sorry. I know you're very angry at Ellen, and you should be. But you shouldn't lose sight of the fact that you two have been best friends for a long time. And part of growing up is learning to forgive. It's that time of the show where I thank our sponsor, and I am thrilled to tell you once again that this episode is brought to you by my favorite mobile puzzle game, Best Fiends. Sometimes you just need an escape from your day, something to pass the time or relieve your brain from stress. When I turn to my phone for a break, I pull up Best Fiends. You can play for as little or as long as you want, wherever you want, because you can play Best Fiends even when you don't have access to Wi-Fi. In the game, your enemies are slugs, and your squad are cute little bug characters with special skills that you collect along the way. You evolve the characters with the prizes you win at the end of each level, so they get stronger and better at helping you beat the slugs. It's fun and colorful and easy to understand, but it's challenging enough that it doesn't feel mindless. I would know. I'm currently on level 881. Not only are there thousands of levels in Best Fiends, but the game updates monthly with new themes and challenges that are cute nods to current seasons and holidays. So, engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters. Trust me, with over 100 million downloads, this five-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must-play. Download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Okay, you know, sometimes you just got to massage your mom, you know? <laughs> okay, as a former um, exercise science major that studied, uh, you know, physical therapy a little bit, that's not how you treat a fused vertebrae, ever. So I don't know. <laughs> I just don't know what she's doing. <laughs> I would say, like, when I was watching this scene, I was thinking to myself, oh, God, people, when they started to date Tiffany Amber Thiessen, must have been so bummed out at how bad she is at massaging. Because that's the thing, right? Like, when you're in a new relationship with someone, you're like, hey, can you rub my shoulders for a sec? And they just fucking, they don't know what they're doing. Like, they are a mess. Like, that is the absolute worst. You're like fuck I should have like run this by them before I agreed to be in a relationship with them um but yeah like I thought they have a very sweet relationship you know it's very like sweet that her mom acknowledged that her daughter did the right thing it's also really nice that she's fighting for her friendship with Ellen of course you know I think baby Celeste is part of the reason why 
um, she wants us, Jean wants us to work so well between them is because she's like invested in Ellen fully. Yeah. 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 I know, but I would have, I, looking back at, you know, myself when I was around that age, I also hated it when my mom would like step in and try to make me be mature and the bigger person. (laughs) So it's like, if I'm having a fight with someone like, yeah, it's the right thing to like forgive them or whatever, but it would just piss me off more if she was like, you know, you need to talk to your friend. You know, she's she's your friend. Like, she's going through stuff. And I'm like, but I want to be a baby right now, mom. Like, let me be a baby. <laughs> Dude, my mom was such a fucking cock block. She would literally, like, <laughs> she would say, like, if she ever heard me and my friends, like, picking on someone, like, just, like, you know, just talking shit about someone behind their back, like, in the car after school or whatever, my mom would fully call that person's house and be like, do you want to have a sleepover with Molly this weekend? And oh my like, she, my mom would make me go sleep at their house and be nice to them. <laughs> I definitely get this vibe from Jean that I feel like Jenny and Ellen really aren't that close of friends, but I feel like Jean has kind mm-hmm. of forced them. I feel like they probably were friends when they were younger and they've like grown out of it maybe. And I feel like Jean is constantly like pushing them back together being like, you need to be there for Ellen. She's a single mom. She doesn't have a social life. Like you need to be there for her yeah. and keep up this relationship. And it doesn't seem like I that's what Jenny wants to do. fully agree with that. Because even earlier on at the barbecue, um, in like the first scene, there's a bit where Jenny comes into the kitchen and she's like, "Did you, mom, did you see the way that the guys treated Ellen? And it happens again where Jean's like, oh, well, you know, you have to be there for your blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, but I get the vibe that Jenny has definitely like ascended like socially and has these like friends that Ellen might know and might be kind of cool with. But for the most part, Jenny is kind of like, you know, she's a cool girl. She also doesn't have like a five-year-old kid at home. So she can like have a life. Like I definitely feel that way about Jean that she's like forcing this relationship between these two people. I agree. And like, you know, in real life, we have to remember Karen moved into an apartment with her boyfriend in high school, which is super fucking weird, um, Mm -hmm. especially because they did not have a kid. It wasn't like they were raising a kid together. It's just like, I always think that's so like such a warning sign when there's a teenager living with their boyfriend. Um, And that is what we see in this movie. But, um, you know, they're like across town in a trailer park. Um, We know it's a trailer park because there's a dog barking. (laughs) (laughs) That's like how they let you know in movies. They're like, yeah, listen to that dog. Okay. That's how poor they are. Um, As if rich people don't have like crazy ass dogs too. Like it's so, it's so strange how that's like a marker of class in a movie. Like just like a, some pit bull going nuts in the background. I never noticed that, but now I'm going to notice it every time it happens. Yeah. Poor people have dogs that bark. Duh. Um, And they're always outside. They're never indoor dogs. Just barking at nothing. Like this, (laughs) like the spirits of the people who have died in that trailer park. So mm-hmm. um, Ellen lives there now. Um, there's like, you know, we see Dan is just like chugging beers in a <laughs> lazy boy in the living room. It's so bleak. It reminds me very much of like Roseanne when Mark and Becky moved oh, into that God. trailer. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. 
And, um, you know, she said she wasn't getting freedom at her mom and dad's place. So this place, you know, with the alcoholic in the living room is much better because they get to party all the time. No one ever tells her to turn her music down. Plus, she likes having a man beside her in bed every night. And Jenny says that, like, she's actually heard rumors that Dan is not in bed with her every night um, and that their fighting is pretty bad. And Ellen's not worried about it because fighting is normal. And, you know, she has food stamps now and she's on welfare. And I love, like, that <laughs> dumb teenage confidence. It's like, don't worry about it. I got food stamps. <laughs> As she's literally dressing her child and, like, threatening to beat her ass, like, on the bed. Like, it's just yeah. so dark. And also talking about having a man beside her in bed. And she sounded like a worn out, like, single mom from like the 1950s it was just like a very weird vibe or an odd thing to hear like a 70 year old girl say yeah it's just been so long since she's had the warmth (laughs) of a man next to her um so you know jenny is pretty disturbed by the fact that ellen just told celeste she's gonna like smack her ass if she doesn't stop moving when she puts on her pajamas which like every kid wiggles when you put their pajamas on it's just what kids do so Mm -hmm. she's like happy to go get celeste's bottle in the kitchen when she's asked and when she goes out to the I guess I guess it's a kitchen um she goes out there (laughs) and she has to pass dan and like the way that she sort of braces herself to pass him is very telling um, because she's just like, Oh God, I hope he doesn't even see me. Um, And as soon as she walks back to the bedroom, he pulls her into his lap and asks her when they're going to get back together. And he tries to give her a kiss and Ellen comes out right at that moment and just sees the behind shot. She sees uh, Jenny, on her boy boyfriend's lap, you know, food stamps aside, all of a sudden things are not going so well for her anymore. Um, so she's like, what the hell's going on? Jenny, you're like, you know, why are you doing this to me? Um, why are you going for my man? You're supposed to be my friend. And Jenny's like, I didn't do anything. But Ellen tells her like, you know, she quite aggressively kicks her out. Um, and she walks away into the night. Um, and I'm a little bit surprised with Jean being cool with Jenny going to like hang out at a trailer park by herself at night, seemingly without her vehicle. <laughs> She's a cool mom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like she gives up that cool mom vibe. Like, you know, let's paint the picture. She, you know, she's the mom that everyone comes to hang out with and like, she doesn't want to be as strict as, as her parents were. And so she wants to be like in a better kind of more lax relationship with Jenny. But like, realistically what that looks like is like your teenage daughter going to the trailer park partying with Dan. Like that's the realistic situation of being a lax parent in in that area. That's just what it is. Yeah. And of course, like it very much is this area. Cause like to my, in, like this fictional area, because in my experience or knowledge, like there's not many trailer parks in Los Angeles. I mean, I know in real life it was an apartment, but they're really trying to like paint a picture of Ellen being very downtrodden. Um, so we find out that she, Jenny has this older brother um, named Greg and he has a wife named Cheryl and um, you know, she's like, when am I going to have grandkids? And they're all at this Labor Day like end of summer picnic park thing. Um, and she's like, Jenny, get up. Stop worrying about, you know, stop worrying about Ellen. It's the last day of summer. And, you know, Jenny's pretty transparent about the fact that she hates Labor Day, 
which I totally feel like when you were a kid, there's nothing worse than Labor Day. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Though I'm, our schools actually opened before Labor Day. I forgot about I that. I think in Massachusetts, <laughs> we we always opened like the Monday after or like the Tuesday after Labor Day or something because yeah. um, we are very limited in our window of like enjoyable summer. So we never started before Labor Day and it it very much felt like, but yeah, no, are you kidding me? In LA, kids are back on like August 15th or something. Like they don't, you're back in school before summer's even over. Um, Yeah, I remember we would start school like the week before. It was stupid too because then we would be like open the Monday before Labor Day and then we would have a long weekend and then start a four day (laughs) the next week. It was very, I don't, I think they changed it again, but it was very like stupid. So I never grew up with that like weird attack anger against like labor day because it was like well it just was in the middle of my i don't know first month of school basically yeah it's just like the ultimate like sunday sad sort of day because mm. you're like oh it's like the ultimate sunday like <laughs> shit yeah. fucking over dude so um you know says like senior year her mom tells her senior year is the best you're gonna go to prom you're gonna find out where you're going to college so it's also all very sad thinking about how much at this at this point in time jenny had coming up for her in life she's Mm -hmm. that young um so this like cute floppy hair guy steve comes up and i don't know like steve back at um the original house party he was dating this girl named carla and mm-hmm. they were like making out in the living room and jean's like guys go outside with that so um steve tells her that he's actually he and carla are dunzo um and you know he's thinking maybe the two of them can get together and as they're walking a guy on a motorcycle comes flying at them and um steve's like god that guy's a crazy idiot he's gonna kill somebody someday um And so, you know, he tells her more about Carla and him breaking up. She was way too jealous. Basically, she tried to do the classic setup that maybe (laughs) teens do more now because of social media. But the idea that, like, Carla basically found a friend of hers to be a plant and to go in (laughs) and try and, like, fuck Steve and see what he would do. And so I guess the plan didn't work, but he still broke up with her because he thought it was crazy which it is it's Um, and steve leans in and kisses her and the music swells and we see oh no carla is in her car watching this whole thing and she is not happy about it at all um so jenny says you know she wants to do the right thing and, and have a conversation with carla because it's the right thing to do and she really doesn't want there to be like bad blood going into this but she's ready to date steve so um She's walking through the woods by herself when some guys in bushes throw a shit ton of firecrackers at her. <laughs> so many firecrackers. And I don't know, like, it does seem pretty dangerous. It also seems like she's kind of like the pretty girl who overreacts a little bit because, like, the way people come running t- toward her when she's like, are you guys? I'm scared. Um, her brother goes 
like chase down the guys that did this to her. She's absolutely hysterical. Her mom like surmises <laughs> that absolutely nothing is wrong with her because she checks her face and sees that her face is still intact. So she's like, you're fine. It's okay. And I'm like, oh my God. Jean, like, way to, like, give away her value in this world. Like, <laughs> her, she could have, like, a spinal fusion on the, you know, on the horizon herself, but you didn't even bother to look at that. Um, so she, um, you know, Jenny sits on her porch the next day, and I don't know if you caught this. Do you guys know the movie It Follows? This episode is sponsored by Book of the Month. I've been subscribed to Book of the Month for three months now, and I'm obsessed. If you're a big reader or maybe even a lapsed big reader who's been wanting to get back into it regularly, consider checking it out. Book of the Month, they read like hundreds of books every month from new and emerging authors, and they whittled on the list to just the very best. They provide you a diverse little selection of hardcover fiction to pick from, which is an element of it that I really love. I can find going into the bookstore to be super overwhelming. And when I know I have about a dozen really solid options to choose from, it makes the decision way easier. Plus, it's cheaper than other options. Shipping is always free. And there's a loyalty program with rewards and even lower prices if you choose to stick around. There's an app where you can pick your upcoming books and track the progress of your reading, and there are challenges on there with rewards. Your book arrives in a super aesthetically pleasing box, by the way. That's the kind of touch that I always really appreciate. Personally, I read at my own pace. Sometimes I can only get to one of my two books a month, and I keep the ones I haven't read yet on my windowsill right next to my bed so I can just see them all there. It inspires me to pick one up and read. It's nice to have options in front of you. If you're interested in trying it out, you can get your first book for $5 with code pastel at bookofthemonth.com. That's code pastel at bookofthemonth.com. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Yeah. I No, I don't. 
there's this like it sort of like takes place and I don't know it's a little bit dystopian but this one thing all the characters have is like a e-reader it's like a kindle that is inside of a seashell Mm-hmm. And Jen, so Jenny has this little mirror that like looks like a seashell. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's the thing from It Follows because I that was like my number one takeaway from It Follows is how cool it would be to have like a little clamshell you open and you can read it like a Kindle. Um, well, I thought that was a Polly Pocket. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> did, where, did they look like that? It did look like that. I mean, they really have been trying to like frame Jenny as this like innocent girl. So if they want to just throw in with her like sitting there playing Polly Pockets before she gets murdered, just to drive that message home. (laughs) I know, like the town slut still plays with Polly Pocket, guys. Like she is, you cannot underestimate how sweet this girl is. But no, again, it's like sort of a hint to her vanity. Like this girl clearly just got ready. And like looks perfect, and then she can't help herself from bringing out that little clamshell before she goes to take off. So Carla pulls up, and Jenny calls to her mom and says, "Mom, I'm leaving." And her mom comes outside and is like, "Have fun, be home by six. Um, but before she leaves, you know, Jenny, it's on Jenny's spirit to like go run back up to her mom and tell her that she loves her, and she just wanted her to know that, and she gives her a big hug, um, which is very, you know sweet i thought and thank god for for jeans for jeans sake i i knew that this i was like oh she's about to die like this is it (laughs) she's never (laughs) any i don't think i've ever done that that if i were to do that to my mother today she'd be like what's wrong with you like what's going on why are you telling (laughs) me this it would be so weird so um that night Jenny's mom is at the kitchen table, just sort of like reading the paper or something when she gets a phone call. And you know, just from the music that she's about to get some bad news. Um, And then after she gets that phone call, she's going to go ahead and give Ellen a call. Um, I'll just say that from the way Carla is on this phone call, I'm going to play the scene, (laughs) but the way that Carla is on this phone call, my mom right away would be like, something's up. Like, Carla's lying like there's there's just um the way this conversation goes there's just too many answers but also questions Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so let's play 1750 to 1854 hello hi Jean is Jenny there Carla I thought she was with you no I dropped her off at the park. She met a couple guys in a red Monte Carlo. I went to get gas, and when I got back, she was gone. What guys? What Monte Carlo? I don't know. I'm sure it's cool. When she gets in, would you ask her to call me? (sighs) Mom, uh, is everything all right? Hello? Is Jenny with you? No, she's not here. Did you see her at the park? No, I've been here at my cousin's birthday party all day. She's probably with Steve. I called. He's not home. I'm getting really worried. She's okay, Jean. You know Jenny. She's probably out with some friends. I'll check it out. But I gotta go now because they're blowing out the candles. Okay, bye. Bye.
Okay. So let's go through the things that these girls have revealed. She, you know, just calling to see if she got home okay. I dropped her off with some boys in a um, a red Monte Carlo. Like, she might as well have been, like, license plate 6TL895. Um, you know, she was about, you know, I'd say uh, five. 38 when I dropped her off and when I circled back it was about 602 like it was you just like gave too many fucking details and then when she calls Ellen Ellen's like she's probably with Steve and I'm like oh really Steve like so what is what are we to know about Steve because as far as we know Carla and Jenny have not even had the Steve conversation so why does Ellen know that she might be with Steve yeah they didn't play this right they thought they were so smart. And you know what? They kind of were. They kind of they kind I mean, of really it lasted really long without anyone getting them. So Yeah, in real life and like in this movie, like it is painstakingly long. Um, how you know, I don't know. I just I think at the after the year mark, I would start to think maybe I'm in the clear if this was me. Yeah. Yeah. But Ellen just keeps digging, dude. She can't. She is like a dog with a bone. Um, mm. So, um, you know, Jenny's mom waits out for her on the porch. And when we when it turns to morning, we see that she slept out on that porch wrapped in a blanket. Um, there's a couple guys that are going through the hike. They're just random. I kind of loved these like extras. <laughs> they got to find the body. <laughs> like, the way they were like bopping along, like it was so aggressive, but also like they had no goal in mind, baby. Like they were just there to like sort of make their way up and down the hill. They weren't workers. They they just were like guys. Um, and so one of them stops to get some water from the lake and he's like splashing his face with it. Um, and then all of a sudden he reaches back in and finds a gigantic chunk of hair like i would think it was a clip-in extension there was so much there (laughs) oh i would have thrown up right there i would have his reaction was so like yeah it just was like he picked it up and was like oh that's weird like i feel like i would have flung it back into the water immediately like that's disgusting (laughs) totally and then he looks up and sure enough i don't know based off of like sort of the way they were really looking up when they started to come towards the scene. Um, how did they not see it? But um, they see Jenny's body is face down in the water with the gigantic stump on top of her. So I don't um, go here, um, hiking or anything, you know, you're going to find a body eventually. That is Man. true. Or, or you're going to be the body, you know? Yep. Ooh. So true. I'm not very good at nature and like I think I am, but like that's the false confidence that gets you into trouble. And it's only now (laughs) that I have a real fear for like my life and accidentally dying. When I was younger, I probably totally would have gone off on some like nature hike and gotten completely like Blair witched and like just not (laughs) at all paid attention to where I was coming from and where I was going. But yeah, so she, um, yeah, so anyway. Jenny's dead. Um, Her whole family is together now. um, And her mom is on the phone frantically trying to fill in her ex-husband on what's going on. And she's like, yeah, I called the... I love that it's always like the deadbeat dad that's like, well, did you call the police? (laughs) (laughs) 
Ugh, and it's like, are you like balls deep in your secretary right now? Like, can you like, tune in? And He's by like, the way, Jenny, who? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and can we also just address Adam, the forgotten child, like the sweet boy oh, that God. sees his mom upset on the phone and is like, is everything okay, mom? And she's Whose like, name yeah, I didn't know now. until three quarters through the movie because I don't remember anyone saying his name ever. Yeah, same with Cheryl. Like, you don't know Cheryl's name till the movie's nearly over. Yeah. Oh man. Um but yeah, she's like, Yeah, I called the fucking police. Um, so you know, she she tries to pick a fight, but she doesn't take the bait. She's like, We've got better things to focus on right now. So then it happens. The car pulls up to the house. We see a man and a woman in the car, and you know right away it's the detectives about to do the knock, 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 we're sorry to inform you moment. Um And she turns to the female detective, turns to the guy and is like, tell me, does this ever get any easier? And he's like, no, Um, because, of course, it doesn't like literally that's so traumatizing (laughs) to have to go inform people that their child is dead. I mean, just like the, the stoic, you know emotionless detective personality because they just that's how they have to live and just constantly telling people yeah. that people are dead yeah now i will say that gene aka patty duke gives us an all-star lifetime cry oh, yeah. um, we're not gonna listen to it because it <laughs> It would be just so strange for me to play five seconds of her screaming, but you you just have to trust us that it's a very iconic, um, and it 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 brings us there right away. Yeah. You're like, okay, I see. She's very. I did upset. tear up a little bit. I'm not gonna lie. It was very like it was a very primal like scream yeah. that was unexpected too because it's like silent outside of the house, and then suddenly there's just screaming and yeah. shot the shit out of me. Patty Duke really went there. I wonder what happened in her trailer that day to bring that emotion to the top, you know? Hmm, I don't know. Yeah. Cause even like right immediately after, cause they like pan in and she's like, you know, like beating the chest of the detective and like going completely berserk. Cause her daughter just died. Her golden child in her mind just died and she's not having it at all. In her mind, she doesn't give a shit about these two other kids. <laughs> Jenny is an only child, okay? Like, these are cousins. Like, <laughs> I'm surprised Jean wasn't like, why couldn't it have been Adam? <laughs> I mean, like, if honestly, I could do it over again, it would be Adam. <laughs> um, but yeah, so... Another thing I want to point out, again, is that this movie has budget because this was like a Mao. This was a a straight up NBC movie of the week. And we like all of these movies that we've done on this show that were that we include this because this is considered to be a lifetime movie. This was obviously like like bought by lifetime as soon as they could get the rights to rerun (laughs) the shit out of it. Um. But yeah, so she watches the home movies that night. But she's really glad about that investment now. And um, she's just like absolutely destroyed seeing these videos of her little girl growing up. And I, yeah, I'm like, I'm at this moment, I feel I feel so much for Jean that I wrote in my notes that I'm more mad that they did this to her than I am that they killed Jenny. Ooh, 
Mm. Isn't that fucked up? That's fucked up, Molly. <laughs> well, I think also, like, we just... Jean's character just was given more. Like, we knew barely anything about Jenny at all, except for that she was the town slut. And so, like... <laughs> We the we, we we get a lot about Jean and her character and you know who she is as a mom and it's Patty so like we just feel for her. Yeah, I mean this true. is why yeah. Lifetime is so great though because it's like television for women. Like don't worry, mm. like we're still going to put a woman like tormented by this at the center of this, and like you're going to follow this woman's journey. Like I do love that about Lifetime is like every single woman in these movies is somewhat of a victim in some way. Like Mm -hmm. with the exception of, I would say Ellen, although I guess at this time one could argue that being adopted is a terrible thing. (laughs) Um, Every single woman in this movie is very conflict driven um, and has like a lot of um, just, stuff they're working out you have you part of you sympathizes with almost every single female character in this movie um but yeah so someone comes knocking at the door and they have those little like white curtains (laughs) that like cover the two windows that are on either side of the door and you can just see ellen's little fucking bad haircut silhouette (laughs) (laughs) like through the curtains and so she goes to answer this door i'm going to play this scene it's just a couple minutes long but the probably the most important thing to note here is that Ellen is not crying at all. Um, nope. twenty three, twenty eight to twenty five, thirty four. Heard it on the late news. Gee. I don't understand. Everybody loved Jenny. Who would do this to such a sweet, beautiful girl? If I hadn't gone to that stupid birthday party, I would have been with her. And this wouldn't have happened. It's not your fault, Ellen. You were always there for her. No! No, we had a fight, and I never got a chance to apologize. And now she's gone forever. I want to die, too. Don't say that. Where's Celeste? She's at uh, Diane's house. I moved back there. What about Dan? That's just it. Uh, My fight with Jenny was his fault, and after I found that out, I couldn't live with him anymore. I should go. Could you? Could you stay here tonight? All right, it's when she says, can you stay the night? 
that Ellen gives her this curious sort of desire filled but scared like look that I'm like, is she going to are these two going to make out? Like, what's going to happen? <laughs> I thought I verbally that said, are really we interesting to kiss? Though. Like, yeah. They, <laughs> it's that awkward pause of like, okay, what what's about to go down here? Like, this tension is weird. Dude, yeah. if you killed your best friend and then fucked her mom, like, can you? How imagine? Dude, that is uh, that would be outrageous and by the way you know something like that has happened like you know yeah oh yeah definitely because there are those women that like marry their like their friend dies and then they marry their husband oh, mm-hmm. oh my god yes yeah which is like i don't ellen is this bitch is cold because like i i've always had like a terribly like guilty conscience like even like as a kid, if something was broken and I know I didn't do it, I would still feel really guilty. Like I could have stopped it or like maybe it's my fault. And I could not imagine like straight up murdering someone and then like showing up at their house like you're mourning their death. Like that's like, that's next level. And then having the balls to be like, I wish I was dead too. It's my fault. And I'm like, yes. Yeah, it is your fault. But like not for (laughs) the reasons you think, you fucking crazy bitch. I mean, it's so manipulative. It's, it's, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I, and I really do believe that the real, the real Ellen, like probably did have this element of just like creating a foggy picture from the beginning. Like I was, a little surprised that in real life, apparently the Ellen person, Karen, moved into the family's house. Um, but maybe not so. I mean, maybe not so surprised. Like this, this couldn't have been, you know, based off of nothing. So, I mean, just yeah. what a power move. <laughs> so, yeah. neither of you were raised Catholic, and I was wondering, right? No. I'm just Christian, not Catholic. I'm fascinated with Catholics, though. <laughs> I was yeah, gonna. I used ask to want to be Catholic when I was a kid. Like, what did you think? Because, like, for me, this is like what funerals look like, and I was wondering, like, from an outsider's perspective, like what this looked like to you. Um, I think I like was kind of like, okay, it's a it's a Catholic's you know funeral service, and then when the smoke thing came out, I was like. Or what's happening? Like, I oh, didn't you know what that, that was. That frankincense, you got to get all those good church smells going. That stuff smells like <laughs> shit. But, like, <laughs> it is low-key really comforting. And those, like, um, I went to a funeral last year. And when they just started saying the prayers, like, I lost it because I forgot, like, how ingrained it is. Like, those prayers were very triggering for me because I hadn't heard them in so long. And you really only hear them at, like, funerals or really serious situations. So I was sort of taken aback by it. But he did, the priest does say something about, like, oh, the compromised state of Jenny's body. And you assume based sort of off of that statement, the fact that it's closed casket, that Jenny's family is clued into at least the nature of what happened to her body. If not all the details, but 
um, you know, when they bury her, uh, they supposedly have no idea exactly how she died or even really where she was found. Which is crazy to me. It's like, at the very least, they would know she drowned or she was drowned. Like, I mean, they might not know every detail, but she was literally found with a log on top of her face down the water. It's like, she probably drowned. Like, that's safe to assume. It was, that was weird. That was very weird. And also, like, who identified her? Like, there's a lot there. And, um, you know, I understand, like, you know, maybe if there was, like, a scarf left or something, that's something that the police would hide. But we're supposed to believe that they fully just didn't tell this family how Jenny died and some very prominent details of her murder. Um, So... The way, um, okay, so after the funeral, poor Jean is having like a panic attack outside of the church. She can't breathe. Um, oh, that's what it was. Okay, I really thought she was having an asthma attack. A panic okay, attack makes more sense. <laughs> I also thought, I'm an idiot. I was like, I wrote, is she crying, having an asthma attack, a panic attack? Oh. But I definitely thought it was more of an asthma attack. Yeah, um, that's like one of those, like, if you know it, you can recognize it sort of things. Like, I was like, oh, I've been, yeah, I've been there. Like, well, no, the thing is, I, I have anxiety. I've had one before. I don't know how I didn't recognize one. <laughs> Maybe because Patty Duke just, like, gave us a new flavor. I guess. It's like, I guess it's like her um, panic attack. Different breathing my technique. Yes. <laughs> That's right. Panic attacks come in so many, you know, different flavors for sure. Um, (laughs) Now, I didn't. Okay, wait. One other great thing in this scene is she tells the priest to shut up about God. God wouldn't take a beautiful girl like her. I blame God. And I was like, ooh, I don't think you're going to be welcome back to the church. Like, but we have to remember he's a man of Christ and Christ forgives. That's his whole bit. Um, Catholics would, you know, even though they make you go to confession and that's supposedly all about getting forgiven. Like (laughs) I was very unclear on the fact as a child that like, I wasn't going to hell. Like I thought for sure I was going to hell that God just had an absolute shit list on me and that, you know, (laughs) Jesus Jesus was watching. It was furious. So At this point, we see a chick in a yellow car sobbing outside of the church. And at the time, to me, it wasn't clear that this is um, Kathy, the one who was um, less than pleased with her mother's parenting and wanted Jean to make a phone call. And I thought, wow, like, it's actually like, you know, pretty bold that Kathy didn't go to the funeral. Wait, right? so I thought that you was said Kathy. Odd. What about the phone call? Um, oh, no. She's the one who said, like, um, will you, will you like, call my mom and tell her to be a better mom to me? Uh, okay, yeah. That is weird that so she can't show up then. Because they're obviously close. Yeah, I'm like, you've got Jean making phone calls to your mom. Maybe her mom said, like, you can't go to the funeral of that nosy bitch. Like, I've got <laughs> enough of this fucking family. <laughs> so... <laughs> Now we're going to go to the police station. This is another, like, this is another two-minute scene, guys. Sorry, I'm trying not to be too clip-heavy, but with these particular movies, 
it's it's just so good. We're never going to get this back. Mm-hmm. Um, once we do it. a movie, it's done forever. So I feel like you guys got to hear this good stuff. Also, I love the actress who plays a detective, Patricia uh, Staley. Loretta Swit is her name. Um, yes. She is was born in 1937 in New Jersey. And um, it doesn't appear that she's dead off of her Wikipedia, which I'm like, you go, girl. Oh and in her picture, her skin is looking as good as it does in this movie. Like, her skin is tight Damn. on that face. Um, let me see what of her, like, some of her... Wasn't yeah, she, she in MASH? Something- Probably. Um, oh, my gosh. She was in something in 2019. She's fully still alive. Yeah, she was in MASH. The love boat. I love that was the same person from Mash. Wow. Yeah, hot lips or something, right? The <laughs> yeah, she's the, the nurse, lady. Yeah. <laughs> Are you guys like Mash heads? Like I, <laughs> I feel like I'm older than you, and Mash was like that show that they reran like after like after whatever was after Punky Brewster, like. That it was like a very dark thing when the MASH theme song came on in my house. I remember always being like, ooh, what is this weird war show? <laughs> Don't get it, me wrong. I is. definitely hated that show. But I, I watched a little bit of it. I think my dad used to like it. So I'd watch it with him from yeah. time to time. It was but- like, I didn't have cable. So like, this is what I suffered right. through. Yeah. <laughs> no, totally. For some reason... Even though we also like, you know, we had like five channels or whatever. For some reason, MASH could really drive me out of a room. Like, I was just like, I guess I'll go play outside. Because <laughs> it was like, it was also like a boys' show. Like, there was nothing. Yes. Like, it was no- nothing enticing to a young child or a young child that's a girl. Like, it just wasn't there for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that theme I song didn't like, didn't really hit like it should have, like, you know. That is not a sitcom theme song. It's like, not. I'll just put it that way. It was so sad. Like, <laughs> when it started. Now, I know, obviously, it's a sitcom about war. So, like, the undertone is a lot of death. But, like, mm-hmm. the theme song sounded like death. Yeah, like, it it's... sounded like we were about to watch a show about dead people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but you know, whatever. I'm sure there's like a community out there, like the way that Cheers had a whole resurgence. I'm sure we are headed yeah. for a ma- like a mass a mash resurgence, where all of a sudden people are tweeting about mash. Um, <laughs> but okay, so we're at the police station. I want to hear this clip. Um, it's very it's it's a sweet little scene. I'm always happy when this is a very relieving part of the movie for me as someone who who does these is I'm like, Oh, finally we're going to get some information. Oh, fine. I've been waiting for this info. So 2809 to 2941. Do you want to come in? We've been canvassing the neighborhood. Your daughter was very popular. Have a seat. Jenny saw the good people. I guess she learned that from me. Do you have any suspects? Well, our best lead is from Carla Lewis, the boys in the Red Monte Carlo. Her description of the matches, some pretty tough characters we know, and we're running a check on them. And of course, we're checking into every Red Monte Carlo registered in the state. Her things, Miss Monroe, like to ask. Put them in a paper bag, Collins. It's all right. Thank you. 
Miss Taylor. Is it Miss? It's Detective Taylor, actually. You don't know me. But you're going to. I'm a little woman with a big mouth, and I will not rest until whoever killed my daughter is caught and punished. That makes two of us, because neither will I. And it's Missy's, by the way. I have a daughter, Jenny's age. I'm Pat. Okay. So, so much in this scene. Um, first of all, I love that she's like, she gets the evidence in like a shrink wrapped sort of bag, like one of those face bags that you use to save space under your bed or whatever. <laughs> But, like, the way she says, like, put it in a bag, Kevin, or whatever the guy's name is. It's like it's like a kid that's, like, tr- walking out of the house with a birthday gift. And the mom's like, Jesus Christ, go get one of the gift bags out of the closet. What's wrong with you? She's like, put it in a bag, Collins, you dumb bitch. Just like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> He's trying his like, best, okay? <laughs> I mean, it's obviously, like, his first day on the job. I mean, let's talk about this police station. So... When I hear this story took place in L.A., the nature of this police station makes a lot more sense because it's bustling there. And when we yeah. first start, it's a little bit like it's OK. The way that the the situation, the scene is mic'd like the mic is is in the the boom mic seems to be in the front of the room. And because what you can hear even more loudly than them speaking is just some extra cop going to pick up a folder. And like, you can crisply hear him like rumpling papers, but you can barely hear them in the background. And I'm like, what is that sound design? Because it obviously <laughs> is like a, a sound design sort of thing. I think they're trying to let you know, like this police station is really busy. But it's like completely disproportionate to the town that we're in, because when you see like their main drag and stuff like that, like you really feel that this is a town where everyone knows each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and while the valley can be a little bit of like a small town suburb, I wouldn't I wouldn't say it has that quality to it necessarily. Um But, you know, this woman is like, you know, Jean is sitting in the waiting room and the detective finally comes out. This is like a murder. Like in this town, I wouldn't think that murders happen often. And maybe I'm just spoiled on Law and Order SVU, where like victims can just walk into like the SVU place and be like, can I speak to <laughs> Detective Benson? I'm like, you were like Captain Benson. I'm like, oh, this Manhattan PD is giving you access to Captain Benson just because you walked in off the street. Um, <laughs> And then poor, I'm looking at poor Jean just sitting in the lobby waiting to, you know, hear if anyone gives a shit about her daughter being murdered. Um, yeah, I, it was, um, it's a, it's interesting how the police station seems to be different from whatever town they're in, but maybe they didn't want to make it like a too much of a small town detective because then she's completely incompetent if she can't figure out Ellen did this. (laughs) Yeah, or figure out how she died, because that's still a mystery too. Right. Yeah, and I think it. Yeah, it's weird because it's you know obviously they're kind of paint a picture of a small town, but the fact that you know Gene is coming up here like really frustrated that no one has done anything. That's usually kind of the case when like it's like an overworked police department, and like they don't have enough time. Like there's too many cases also going on at the same time that they don't 
have the resources to like attend to a murder like this. Um, or even if they knew if it was a murder, again, we didn't know. They didn't tell us. So Yeah. But thank God Jean has a peer, an ally, someone who's on her team here. <laughs> she really needed that because she's surrounded by snakes. Um Except for Adam, who she will never pay attention to, despite his sweetness and attentiveness at all turns for what appears to be a 15-year-old boy. So um, the motorcyclist is still, you know, wreaking havoc. He's riding around town. Um, We see Pat confronts Ellen outside of a grocery store and tells her that she needs to know everything about Jenny. um, And she's the best person to help her do that. So... Then we see Ellen go to Jean and she's like, this is too freaky for me. Like, it's just sick. They're trying to bring me in on this police investigation and I don't want to do it. Um, I think Carla had something to do with it. It's just so sick that they think that we would have something to do with this. Like the way she is coming at her, like the the hysterics that I'm mimicking in my voice are pretty like on par with how dramatic (laughs) she's being. And I'm just like, if I was Jean, I would be like, get out of my house. Like, why are you? I don't need this right now. Like, either help the police find your best friend's murderer or, like, get a counselor to talk to or something. Like, I can't help you process this. Oh, yeah. But also, Ellen, so while she's going through hysterics, she says they don't buy our story. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Maybe I'm reading into it because I also know what happens. But I feel like I've never said or never imply that someone didn't buy my story unless I was lying. Like, you don't ever say that if it's, like, actually what happened. (laughs) Right. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do – With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. It was weird. They don't believe me. Would right. Be, they like, don't believe me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I agree. That is a weird slip. Um, and there's a few, there's like a few things in this where I'm, that are just like small, like either language things or behavior things where I'm like, oh my God, please someone. I know you guys are all in grief and shock, but like pay attention to the signs. Come on. I feel like secretly Adam is just overhearing all this and just compiling a notebook because no one sees him, but he knows the truth. <laughs> I no, was waiting totally for guilty. that drop. I was waiting for the drop the whole movie. I was like, please, Adam, come through with like your little book of evidence that you've been putting together, like the good boy you are. He's been doing like, his own investigation independently. Like just <laughs> Totally. Um, can you imagine like you're like 
your mom, your, your younger sister just died. And then your mom like decides to take in like the crazy, like again, cause Adam's already fed up that she's like basically fathering another child or mothering another child. That's always in the house, the baby. And like now, like she's like taking in Ellen and like everyone knows that Ellen's like, like a psycho and like doesn't want to be around her. And now like Ellen's constantly at every family event and like trying to insert herself into the family. Like, no, thank you. Oh, sad Ellen with her free babysitting, like just getting free babysitting all the time. So, you know, Jean's basically just like, all we have right now is each other. Okay. We got to stick together. And Ellen's like, you're right. Um, and Jean says that, you know, they've got to be strong right now. And I'm like, Jean, you don't have to do this. Like, you don't have to, mm-hmm. you don't have to teach someone how to have empathy. This is not, you know, take a break, sweetie. But we see that she, Jean is still babysitting Celeste and she takes her to the park and she's pushing her on the swings and she's like, Oh, we're not going to go too high. This is how Jenny got a scar on her knee. And Celeste asks where, where Jenny is when she's coming back. But before she can answer that, a red Monte Carlo comes up to the park and Jean starts to wave, you know, the person in it. She's trying to get them. She's trying to catch the murderer, um, but they take off before she can get too close. And at the time I was like, oh, you know, Ellen's behind the wheel of that Monte Carlo. Like, (laughs) just like increasing suspicion. It wasn't. But like I um, my thought immediately went to, well, where's Ellen? If Jean is watching her kid, she's probably driving around a Monte Carlo trying to start (laughs) false stories. So (laughs) you find out that Carla works at a little bakery in town. And that's the first time Jean gets to have one on one time with her. And she's like, oh, I've really missed you, you know, and. I was like, oh, yeah, I've been so busy with school and busy here. And Jean orders a loaf of rye sliced. And she's like, so tell me about the day you went off with my daughter. You know, the day she got murdered. What do you know about the guy in the, the guys in the Monte Carlo? And she's comes up to the cash register. She has the audacity to go two dollars, please. And I'm like, Bitch. I know that in in the real life version, she was the one who sent the $20 bill. So I'm like, you could have just made it 18 and given her the free loaf. What is with like sending, by the way, what is, is that a thing? Like, do you give money to people when someone dies? I forget. No, I've so, never heard of that. So it might be a cultural thing. Um, so backstory, my family is Liberian. They're from Liberia. And it's pretty common that if someone like dies, like sending over money, but usually the understanding is, and I think the reasoning is because, you know, a lot of the folks that we know are also like first generation and yeah. some of whom don't have very much money. So it's like, you just do it. Cause it's like, they probably need help burying this person. Like, yeah, and even if they don't that. need the help, you just kind of like send it. Like, I know when my grandma died, we got like tons of money from people that we didn't really even need, but it's just a thing. So maybe it's a cultural thing because it's normal for me, but I could see where that's definitely kind of weird. Yeah. I mean, at least, um, at least toss her a free loaf, you know, yeah. it feels, it feels <laughs> strange to watch her charge her $2 after you know, sort of brioche, denying, you know? yeah, denying crucial evidence um, about the day her daughter was murdered. So um, Ellen has, you know, she's at the house and she's dusting a desk and, um, finds the certificate of death for Jenny and she like looks at it and she's like, it's all so real. And Jean comes up behind her. Um, 
you know, and she's like, God, you know, Jean, these pictures are so sad around the house. They're everywhere in the newspaper. How does it not bother you to see her everywhere? And Jean's like, well, it's like the only time I feel peace actually is, is being able to see my daughter's face. Um, so then Greg and his wife come over and ask how they can help. And she tells them to start the fire in the backyard. And then Adam asks, you know, are you really up to having a barbecue right now? And she says that she is. And, you know, she's ready. Um, and she tells Ellen, you know, she appreciates what she's doing because I guess she was Ellen was also putting out a lot of pictures of Jenny or something like that. And she says, like, let's not have another wake here today. Um, so. Now we see that this this little backyard kickback thing that she's putting together is actually a party for Jenny's friends um, because far be it for Jean to stop being the party house at this point. <laughs> um, and we know it's fall now because the pool has a cover on it and there's leaves falling in the background and everyone's wearing jackets. Very different than the original summer pool party we saw. And Steve and some kids talk about the investigation. And then we're going to cut to a scene where Ellen and Carla are in the kitchen. 35, by the way, also saying all of this again in front of their complete, in front of Ellen's completely lucid, possibly (laughs) four-year-old daughter. Um, 35, 23 to 36, 49. Hey, guys. I hear the cops are staking out different houses. Yeah? Like whose? Turner's, for starters. That guy is always so wasted. He could have done it. <laughs> hey, Jean, sausages are almost ready. What? That's Jenny's jacket. Well, yeah. I wanted to, like, honor her, you know? Take it off. I didn't, I didn't mean to. I know. I'm going to put Celeste down for a nap. Come on. I don't want to be here. It gives me the creeps. Just check this out. Okay, so that little sparkly music at the end, that sparkly death music is um, that is her showing Carla the death certificate. And this is where we I feel a little bit for Carla because she's having a normal human reaction and she doesn't realize she did something she can never undo with someone who is much more sinister than her. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that's when I find it really sort of extra sad that Carla did 22 years and then um, the Ellen person in real life, Karen only did an extra year and a half. Like, I feel like Ellen should probably still be in jail. Yes. Yes, for sure. (laughs) And it wasn't Lauren out trying to sell the story after it was Ellen. (laughs) And you know, Ellen is sitting in her meeting at Paramount. She, they were like, (laughs) 
do you want a do you want a glass of water? She said, actually, do you have coffee? Like she's that person who's like mm-hmm. asking the assistant to go get something from a different floor. Like <sighs> this bitch is, um, yeah, she's she's a uh, she's scary. Um, so people in the backyard they start taking off. There's just a couple guys left, um, and Jenny's older brother is looking at a newspaper clip that Ellen found in the paper that morning, and. Ellen's like showing it to him and he goes, should we show our, should we show mom this? And Jean overhears that and she comes in, she's like, show me what? And she takes the clipping and the headline says drowned girl was pinned by 100 pound log. So Jean then finds Pat out in public. She finds her on the street and Pat is looking fly as fuck in this scene. So good. Yes. She has on like, Beige, yeah, beige power suit. And then I feel an ultimate power move, which is a white trench coat. Like, yes. honey, who you're a real adult. Like, <laughs> that is some real adult shit to feel like you can get away with. Like, I would ruin that in an, in an hour of owning it. <laughs> Maybe less. Mm-hmm. And um, you know it's dry clean. So, oh, oh, 100%. Oh, yeah, sure. So, um, I will say that. This is uh, I'm going to play like the 30 one minute clip of where she confronts her. I will say that I noticed in this scene that uh, this actress who plays Pat has a beautiful, heavy eyelid like her eyelid is just like it's so pretty and heavy. Like this actress is really stunning in a way that it looks like it could only be achieved through plastic surgery but I didn't even know that if they did plastic surgery this good back then. Right? That's what I thought mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So, oh, go ahead. Sorry, honey. I uh, just was saying I was shocked. <laughs> I didn't know it was possible. <laughs> okay. 3726 to 3830. Why didn't you tell me? I'm her mother. I have a right to know. Tell you what? How she died. They beat her. They cut her hair off. They pinned her down with a hundred pound log. What are you talking about? Don't give me that. It's all Just right calm there. down, Jean. Just calm down. I don't want to calm down. I want answers. You're not going to get any answers until you calm down. Thank you. There's certain information we never release to the public. Not to the family, the press, not anybody. Information that only the killer knows. That way, if we get a confession, we know it's the truth. Then how did it get in the paper? I don't know. You can be damn sure I'm going to find out. What do you mean? The killer called the press? I told you I don't know. You don't know much, do you, Pat? wait a minute, No, I've waited long enough. You don't have a clue. What do you care? Your daughter's fine. Everybody says, let the police handle it. Get on with your life. What life? Jenny was my life. And if you're not going to find out who killed her, I will. Now, that's a mistake. You let us go to hell. Do our job. Do our job. That probably, <laughs> if I was directing that on the fly, I'd be like, you know what? Do one without do our job. Because, <laughs> like, <laughs> it's implied. And also, again, this is, like, a situation where they have wild noise from the street and, like, mm-hmm. the main part. And then for some reason, when it's just do our job, it's, like, it's soft. It's, like, picked up with a different mic. There's less going on in the background. Like, the sound mixing really suffered for the sake of do our job in this movie. Um, but, you know, this is very, again, this is very interesting. We already touched on this a little bit. They have told this woman nothing about her daughter being dead at all. And now someone is 
obviously the killer um, or someone from within the police department is is calling up a newspaper and giving this report. Um, I'm you know, I know newspapers print stuff like this, uh, like like above the police's head or whatever. But this just it seems very recent for them to already be doing that. I know with like. John Bonet, obviously, because there was just so much shitty police work that happened. Like the the press absolutely was going above their head. But with this, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my god, give them a minute. Like <laughs> we're we're just having like the she just died barbecue. Like calm down. Right. Yeah. It was definitely the the time. Now I'm thinking about it. It felt like more time had passed. But you're right. Like it. Yeah. The same summer that she died was literally. Two months tops, three. Yeah, oh, yeah. Geez, Thanksgiving hasn't happened yet. <laughs> like nothing. This is yeah. It's probably been not even a month, really. So then, Jean tells Adam and Ellen um, that she hates the house that they're living in, and she hates her neighborhood now. Jenny is in every single room, and Adam says he'll be of some help. He's like, "I'll help you, mom." But then Ellen cuts him off and basically says that she feels the same way. I see Jenny in my dreams. I think about Jenny all day. It's like she's telling me to find her killer. She tells, um, and then she tells Jean that she really needs her. She knows that people, um, she knows the people that she has to talk to. She knows that she needs help. Um, so like basically she knows that she needs someone to help her. So basically Ellen's like, don't worry, Jean. Like I've got this. I will help you find the killer no one has your back it's just it's you and me against the world gene so um she goes you know i love you like a mother and i know you can't do this by yourself i'd do anything for you and then she like starts to say something but then she decides it's too much so she turns away and of course gene is like well wait what were you about to say she goes i was gonna suggest that i could move in you know we'd be in total touch and have more time and i could drive adam to school in the morning and Celeste could stay at Diane's. Now, who the again, who the fuck is Diane? Like, who is Diane in her life? I don't I'm unclear on Diane. That's the her adoptive mom. She calls her yeah. adoptive parents by their first names, which is weird. I guess okay. they're playing her as weird because she calls her adoptive parents by their first names. I don't know. They're saying like <laughs> she's removed. Yeah, like she's crazy. She's adopted. She calls them by their first names. <laughs> She doesn't even care about them. She didn't come out of her vagina. Diane's just paid for her since she was born. Um, So then um, she's like, no, 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 no. You need Celeste with you. Okay, you should move in. So then Ellen calls Carla from like her room at Diane's, I guess. Um, And we see that Ellen has like completely plastered her entire room with clippings of articles and pictures of Jenny. And Carla's really upset. We know why. Again, another one-minute clip, uh, 4007 to 4103. Hello. Carla, it's me. Ellen. The cops are here again. So what? They keep questioning me. The same thing over and over. Just stick to the story. They don't buy it. I'm scared. You stupid idiot. Do you want to spend the rest of your life in prison? Oh, no. Then do exactly what I say. No matter what happens, keep telling them about the red Monte Carlo and get a grip. I've got you covered. What do you... What do you mean, covered? 
I'm moving into Jean's house. And that way I'll be able to keep tabs on every move the cops make. All set? Definitely. All right. Um, so for everyone at home, the first smooch uh, there was Ellen kissing her baby. And the second smooch was her kissing Jean on the lips. Because you know how, like, you kiss your friend's moms on the lip? <laughs> <laughs> Again, adding to the weird sexual tension between the two of them. Like, very strange. And also, it does seem pretty like sinister even like for a moment i was doubting Jean because i was like why don't you care that her room is covered in pictures of like your daughter and clips about her murder like that's not exactly a george michael poster you know yeah (laughs) yeah it's definitely not normal then we go back to Carla for a moment who's just like letting out a sigh she's obviously full of doubt as she should be um Ellen's confidence is what really like lets us know she's kooky. So mm-hmm. she's unpacking her stuff at Jean's house. Um, and Kathy comes by looking for Jean and asks Ellen how she could, you know, how do you, how do you have the balls to move in here? And she's like, I belong here now. Okay. Um, and Kathy's like, well, I have a conscience, conscious and I can't keep this inside. I have nightmares every night. I have to tell someone. And Ellen gets very serious and, and walks straight up to her. And Kathy just starts walking backwards. And they do this dance all the way down the stairs. Like, I'm terrified. Like, she will not turn her back to Ellen, which, by the way, <laughs> I should have thought about the poetry of that a little bit more. Like she really is like, I'm not going to turn my back to you. I've seen you murder before. Um, I also love to think that they've done multiple, they did multiple takes of that. And like, they just falls down like over and over again. Cause I don't know how you can like successfully walk down the stairs like that and not bust your ass. I was expecting her to hit her head on the landing. Right. Yeah. It's like, how did she manage to just full on just walk down the stairs without taking her eyes off of Ellen backwards? Like that's, I don't know. That takes practice. Yeah. For sure. That was a big day for uh, <laughs> bruise. So, so many bruises. Um, she tries to go out the front door, but Ellen blocks her. So she runs into the kitchen to make, make a break, you know, through the back door. But Ellen follows her and pushes her against the wall and she strangles her. And she's like, who are you going to tell? What are you going to tell them? And Kathy says to let go of her, but Ellen gets a knife and holds it up to her. And she goes, listen to me, Kathy, keep your tongue in your mouth or I'm going to cut it out. And Kathy's like, okay, okay. But then Ellen's like, you know what? I don't believe you. So she cuts her cheek and her lip permanently scarring this woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's like, well, now what are you going to do? And Kathy's like, keep my mouth shut. And she's like, what else? I'm going to go. I'm going to, I'm going to go away. And she goes far away. And then at that moment, Jean starts to come through the back door with some like groceries that she bought. And that's when Kathy scrams. And like, truthfully, I am a little bit confused about how this teenage girl is supposed to get her family to move out of town. Yeah. It's like, I don't know if I was Kathy's parents, I would start to wonder. I'd be like, oh, it's so weird. You know, my daughter's friend just died. My daughter comes home with a cut on her face saying that she needs to move out of town. Like, 
I would, you know, the, at that point, I would, as a parent, probably start asking some hard questions. But, you know, but when she comes in this movie is dumb, so they might just do it. Like, right. we got to move, they go. I mean, she also goes to the murderer to be like, hey, I need to tell someone that you murdered someone. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I would have been like any other reason why I was there besides, oh, I feel like telling the mother of the girl you murdered that you did it. <laughs> um, so we find out that what Jean was getting at the store was supplies because they were planning on doing a stakeout to look for the red Monte Carlo. Um, and like, that's just such an in- intense piece of detective work to take into your own hands. Like the <laughs> idea of just like doing a stakeout that to me is like pretty high end policing, but Um, They go out there and Ellen and Jean are in the car, um, but it also turns into a a little hair braiding moment. We get to go back to the hair braiding, which is nice. Um, I'm going to play this quick. uh, No, this is a longer clip. Um, 4355 to 4659. I'm nervous. I have nuts in my stomach. Me too. But I'm glad to finally be doing something. I know what you mean. Do you remember how you used to braid Jenny's hair? Jenny had such beautiful hair. Would you? So what are the cops doing? Nothing. Since my tantrum last week, they don't even return my calls. Hey, cops. I want to be with you anytime you talk to them. I don't want them upsetting you. I'll go with you anytime, anywhere. Team, right? Right. There's the car I saw earlier. When I went after them, they took off. Let's get them. October 1st, around 3 o'clock in the afternoon. She got into a red Monte Carlo, like this one. Whose car is this? It's mine. Who are you people? I'm her mother. She was murdered. What do you know about it? Tell me. Ellen? Susan, hi. I didn't see you. What's going on? You know them? They're cool, Jean. Why are you doing this, Ellen? The cops already checked us out. They know we're at the movies that day. I'm sorry about your daughter, ma'am, but we didn't have nothing to do with it.
scared the hell out of them, Gene. You said they were cool. How do you know that? Jenny didn't like him. She'd never get in a car with them. Okay. Um, for me, I would say those three kids in the car are probably my favorite actors in this movie <laughs> outside of Patty Duke. I, for some reason, I love them. Like, I just, they felt so real to me. They felt like the kids that, like, yeah, they're probably up to, like, some bad shit. Like, I think, like, the driver at least sells dime bags. But, like, <laughs> for sure. they're overall, like, good kids. They're respectful. He's like, I'm sorry about your daughter, ma'am. Like, they're, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I just bought it. And I love that they know Ellen. And they all are like, oh, this bitch. Like, they're like, oh, Ellen from the trailer park? Yeah. <laughs> We know about Ellen. Like, if anyone's up to something, it's her. I mean, it is some sick shit that she pulls in this scene. Yeah, and I feel like they kind of regrounded you as a viewer. Because it's like, there's there's Jean, and there's Ellen, and there's their, their dynamic that they're, like, vigilantes trying to catch the bad guys. And so you're, like, kind of like, yeah, like, let's get them. But then, like, those kids pop up, and you're like, oh, right. Ellen's fucking crazy. Right, right, right. Got it, got it. <laughs> Especially when they, like, they confirm that they've spoken to the cops already, too. So it's like, the detectives are doing their jobs. Like, they are talking to people. It's just like, yeah, it is kind of like a moment of, like, no, they're being crazy right now. Yeah. I was so inspired by the girl in that scene that I literally lit a cigarette. She made it look delicious. You <laughs> rarely you rarely get a cig in movies like this because I think well, I know you can't show a cigarette being lit on TV, but like it's mm-hmm. not often anymore that you get a cigarette in a TV movie like this. So um, Jean calls the police station and she's just begging for information about the case. It turns out that Pat's not there. So she, you know, uh, quietly, like she sneaks into her bedroom and takes a, a hoodie from her closet. And we learn that Ellen is sleeping on her floor. Yeah, um, that was fucking weird. <laughs> I don't Yikes. know where I thought she would be in the house. I guess I kind of assumed Jenny's room, but that's obviously a faux pas, right? But yeah. Mm-hmm. Sleeping on the floor of someone's bedroom is a little elementary school slumber party. Or at the very least, I figured she'd be on, like, the couch. Right. And where's her daughter? Oh, is her daughter with Diane? Is she also on the floor? I don't know where she is. Does Ellen know where Yes. I mean, well, the lack of follow-up on Celeste at the end is very concerning. And, like, the just the... Imagine what Celeste went through. Thank God she's not real. But, like, imagine if that Mm. child was real, what she would have gone through. Like, this whole dramatic thing with everyone being worried about Jenny. I mean, that's a formative memory right there. And then her mom goes to jail for murdering Jenny. Like, oh, my God. And her auntie. Like, that is a lot. So. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Um, Jean falls asleep in her car. We find out that she tries to do the stakeout by herself. Um, and Pat comes and finds her and is like, listen, all right, you are a mess. Um, you love your daughter very much and you want to get her murderer punished. But the way that you're going about this, it's making my job a lot harder. I actually have leads on this. I can't tell you anything about the investigation, though. 
And Jean says, you know, it just feels really surreal, surreal to her. She keeps th- thinking she hears Jenny in the house. And I'm sitting there thinking like, oh, you know, Ellen's ass is like playing a tape recorder in another room. Um, <laughs> and, you know, this sort of ends, you know, Pat being like, well, you loved your daughter. You're a mother who loved your daughter. And she goes, I still love my daughter. And she takes off. Um, so Jean comes home to a full blown intervention. Um, it's like. <laughs> It seems to be like early on a work day because Greg is there in his tie and then his wife is at the table as well. They're like, Adam's eating. Apparently, Adam snitched on her for being crazy and like doing these stakeout things because they're there to be like, dude, we agree. Okay. It's so fucked up that Jenny got murdered, but we kind of like need to go back to family life a little bit. And then Ellen comes in and she's like, Hey, what's going on? And Greg's like, this is a family matter. (laughs) And Ellen's like, but I thought I was part of the family. And Jean's like, it's okay, Ellen, go back to bed. So (laughs) Greg went full eldest child. Like I love that. He just like strong armed, like I'm the man of this family. Like you're not part of the family. Get the fuck out. Ellen. Well, someone had to say it, you know, like I was dying for someone to just sort of insert themselves and speak the truth and be like, you don't need to be here all the time. Like this is you're sleeping on the floor of my mom's bedroom. My mom is sleeping in her fucking suburban out in the woods. Like this is getting a little bit intense. So um, Jean says that, you know, she doesn't really want to talk about this stuff. And Greg's like, listen, you're going to get yourself hurt and it's bad for your health. Um, And if I knew who did this, I would kill the SOB myself. But I don't know. None of us. He says, I don't know. None of us does. (laughs) I wrote that in my notes notes because you could tell the actor knew he fucked up. But like, he's just. He's just trying to get through the take. Like you probably, they probably have done this take many times and like for him to get to that place of emotion, but none of us does is like kind of egregious. (laughs) They must have really been behind on filming that day for the director to not be like, all right, just, just one more of just this line. Um, But he tells her, you know, Jenny's gone. We have to let it go. We can't let it destroy us. Adam needs you. And I'm like, thank you, Adam. Hello, this like 15 year old boy. Um, And he's like, you know what? And Cheryl needs you, too. I didn't want to tell you this this way, but she's pregnant. And Jean is absolutely overjoyed to hear this. Um, Right away, my mind goes to, okay, how is Ellen going to try and get Cheryl to miscarry? Like oh, right away. Yep. I wouldn't put it past I her, was though. shocked that she didn't like take that from them because like, you know, it's sort of replacing also the idea of Celeste as being like the closest thing she has to a grandchild, mm-hmm. which I think is one mm-hmm. of Ellen's main manipulative moves with Celeste. Um, so Ellen's dressed up for the day in the most hideous drop waist dress I have ever fucking <laughs> oh seen God. in my life. It's like, <laughs> The drop waist on Ellen, I'm like, sweetie, if you're trying to, like, hide up a little pregnancy pudge, like, take it from me, sweetie. A drop waist is not going to do it for you. It's, like, probably the worst thing you could be wearing. I know, you know, food stamps, you can't spend food stamps at the mall, but um, I'm just confused about, I'm confused about the outfit. She's also wearing, like, this very unfortunate olive cardigan over it. Oh, yes. Um, Oh, yeah. So she stops in front of like the George Michael poster that's on the outside of Jenny's room. And um, I did, I will say that I'm so glad that when they finally start to make some changes in Jenny's room, the first thing that comes down is the George Michael poster that's 
like facing outward, which I mean, your parents, I mean, that's how loose Jean is, is that she's allowing a George Michael poster to be prominently displayed across from her master bedroom. Like this is pretty, pretty like fast and loose parenting that would have never flown in my house. Um, If my mom had to wake up every morning and open her door and see a Blink-182 poster, like she, are you kidding me? Um, So... She decides to take a peek into Jenny's room and she has this little grin on her face, like a sick little grin. Um, and she heads downstairs with this same creepy smile. Um, when Jean is apparently giving some good news. Um, oh, she's getting some good news that she's about to be um, going back to work again soon. I'm going to play another short little clip. 5211 to 5346. Yeah, well, the doctor says that I can come back to work in about three weeks. I'm looking forward to it, too. Thanks, Mr. Reardon. Okay, see ya. Bye. Go back to work, huh? Soon. Good. Listen, I've been thinking. Maybe we've been obsessing over Jenny too much, you know? Keeping her room exactly as it was and all. We should put some of her stuff away. I've been thinking the same thing. Great. I'll just get my clothes. What for? I'm to move into a room. No, Ellen. I'm turning it into a nursery. Cheryl's pregnant. <laughs> When'd she do? June. Congratulations. Okay. Well, maybe in the meantime, I can just I get I said no, Ellen. But I thought you wanted to let Jenny go a little and move on. You're welcome to stay. In my room. Now let's drop it, huh? Whatever. Hello? I'll be right there. should be noted that Ellen still has the demented little braid in her hair that <laughs> Jean did what felt like four nights ago. Um, so that's like her new th- style now. It's like a um, dreadlock now. It's like it hasn't been brushed or <laughs> washed or anything. Just clumped in her hair. I will say that Ellen's appearance, like she has that sort of depression look to her that like yeah. it really, especially when we see her at the end of the movie, what turns out to be like a year lady, year later, like Ellen is clearly living in her own filth. Um, mm. I, I, you know, anyone who's, who has been through depression knows it when they see it, you're like, Oh honey, mm. You maybe go stand in the shower, but that hair is getting washed maybe, you know, once a week max and you've got very thin hair and, you know, you need to, that's a very specific style she has. She has a little page boy cut and she has uh, thin hair. So, I mean, she's got to be doing some more maintenance than that. She's kind of falling apart. And then if the olive sweater didn't tell you that things were really (laughs) off the rails, then like nothing else. That was like a sweater to suggest, but also... Guys, we haven't even talked about how great the music is in this. I mean, yes. Just adding to the ambiance of everything. It's if so, you're ever confused. Oh, go so, ahead. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Um, no, it's so like 
I mean, I guess it's just if you like Lifetime, then you also love like late 80s, early 90s, like thrillers. So Mm -hmm. just like all of this, I just felt very like single white female, the hand that rocks the cradle, the crush, just kind of like the the crush. Yes. With uh, Alicia Silverstone, like the Mm -hmm. little weird kind of like, I guess they're violins kind of. And it's just, you know, I was, I was having a great time because I, after watching this, I was like, tonight I have to like find the crush and like rewatch that shit because it's so my vibe. It's so funny you said that because I had the same thought about the crush a couple days ago. I forget who it was, but I saw someone used the crush for their music video. They like didn't film a music video. They just got the rights to like cut up the crush. And like Ooh. the video was just the crush. It was like very, it was very cool how they did it. But um, yeah, the music in these movies are so great because, you know, not only is it just ambiance or whatever, but like this is for real dummies at home. It's like if you're confused about how to feel here, yeah. <laughs> here's, some, here's some scary music. You're supposed to feel a little on edge right now. We're going to give um, you a minor chord. It's sad. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Um, Degrassi is good with that too. Like, but the way their take on it, especially for next generation, would be like a slowed down version of the theme song. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like we're sad now. So here's whatever it takes in slow mo. Um, but yeah, so um, she uses Jenny's phone to call Carla, who. Carla seemingly has not moved since the last time we saw her on her floor. She's still in the exact same position on her bedroom floor next to like her. She's on the floor next to her bed by the phone with the little desk mirror in the exact same place it was. And I noticed the first time we saw the desk mirror, it was um, on the ground. And so I think that they just filmed those in the same day and really just told the actress, like, stay put. This is where the cameras are. We got the shot. Um, Mm -hmm. so she answers her phone and Ellen says, Carla, it's me. Guess where I am. Um, so then we cut to (laughs) outside of Oliver high school. Um, and Adam is in some trouble and we get some powerful made for TV swears out of Jean here because she's like, cut the crap. Okay. I'm really ticked off at you. (laughs) And it turns out that she's been skipping school and acting out. And she's like, look, I know I'm preoccupied with Jenny, but this isn't a good way to divert attention. And he's like, you know what, mom? I miss Jenny, too. And it's like the first time it's occurred to her that someone else beside her and Ellen could possibly be affected by this. Um, And she's like, we're going to be more of a family again moving forward. So um, Jean has started to work on Jenny's room. And the first order of business, thank God, is taking down that George Michael poster. Because can you imagine that grandchild in like 12 years, like they're finally old enough and they're like, what is this? Like, (laughs) who's he? But even before that, can you imagine like mourning and then just seeing George Michael on the wall? (laughs) Gotta have faith, girl. You know what I mean? That's going to take on a different meaning for you in this moment. So, uh, father figure as well. I mean, there's a lot. I think George Michael could have brought a lot of healing to them. Ooh. I just worry, you know, for the the like the granddaughter growing up. That's like, oh, your um aunt was murdered when she was 17. So, and she liked this gay guy that she probably didn't know was gay at the time. <laughs> and um, that's him. So, like, you know, I don't know. I'm glad they took the poster down. 
but um, Cheryl shows her like a rainbow mobile that she thought, you know, she could hang up over the crib. And um, I want to pick up here because the music is it's great because you realize Ellen is listening to this whole thing. But of course, like it's also sad because she's, you know, Cheryl's trying to have a moment with her mother-in-law and get her excited about the baby. But her response is basically like, Oh, like, you know, I'm never going to get to do this. I'm never going to get to do this with Jenny. I'm missing out on Mm -hmm. if Jenny had a kid. Um, So uh, 5611 to a minute and 15 seconds. This is also where, um, we're going to see um, Ellen and Jean in the car. Thought maybe we could hang this over the crib. <laughs> I'm going to miss this with Jenny. I know. You know, I'm just, I've just been, been racking my brain. I'm just trying to think. And I, I ran to this guy today, and he just he gave me the chills. What guy? This guy Turner. He, he's a biker. Total loser. Rides this big Harley. And, and one day, Jenny got up in his face and said she was going to turn him into the cops. A Harley. I remember him from the park, Labor Day. He almost ran Jenny over. Well, he said that he'd kill anybody who would rat him out. Why didn't you tell me Well, because before? I didn't know. I didn't think about it until I saw him today. I knew it. He always hangs out around here. Hey! Hey! You tried to run down my daughter. The hell is your problem? You said you were gonna kill her and now she's dead. He's the one, Gene. Come on, we're going to the police. You're crazy, you know that? Well, you don't know how crazy. I got some ABC-type information for you, lady. Your daughter thought she was too good for us. When in reality... She was nothing but a stuck-up little bitch. She got what she deserved. You're gonna have to pay for that window, you know. Fine. Am I under arrest? Turner declined to press charges. Hooray for Turner. Are you gonna charge him? With what, Jenny's murder? Yes! He's the right type, real bad guy. He said she got what she deserved. He may have said that, but he didn't do it. How do you know? Because he was in jail at the time. Look, I know you think you're doing something positive, running around and terrorizing the neighborhood. Some people won't talk to us. They're afraid you'll harass them. What you're really doing is hurting the investigation. What investigation? From what I can see, you haven't done a thing. What do you know about Ellen Holloway? Oh, that's classic. You're going to pin it on Ellen? I didn't say that. She was at her grandmother's house. That's not what I asked you. Look, we think a female was involved, both because of the haircutting and the newspaper story. People at the newspaper tell us their informant was, quote, a young woman. I've known Ellen since she was five years old. She's like a daughter to me. She's been helping me, which is more than I can say for you. Why are you pushing this so hard? Why don't you just let me do my job? Because you're not doing it. Like you? Is that what you're thinking, Jean? That you didn't do your job with Jenny? I've been a cop for a long time, and a mother even longer. I'm OD'd on human nature. Do you want to know what I see? I see a woman acting out a whole lot of guilt. 
keep replaying it in my mind. Maybe if I'd been a different kind of mother, Jenny would be alive today. I wanted my kids to like me so much. Where do you draw the line between being a parent and being a friend? You've got to stop torturing yourself. I've known so many kids who turned against their parents. I didn't want that to happen to me. I wanted to protect her without making her afraid to live. I failed. No, you didn't. You did the best you could. I'll tell you something else. Lieutenant wouldn't agree. I think all the calling and pestering you've done has made the department work harder on the case. Good. But do me a favor. Stop playing vigilante out there. I don't want you getting into any trouble, and I sure don't want to see you get hurt. Okay. That's a lot there. I mean, she pushed a man with her bare hands through a window, like a huge guy. Um, and you know, I, I have to say I was a little surprised that he had that much of a, an opinion on Jenny because it seemed like he's just, you know, sort of a Dennis, the menace type that like would have ran his bike at anyone. But, um, guys, what is ABC information? I was gonna ask that. <laughs> I first heard like, it. Always I thought, closing. <laughs> maybe I thought he was about to tell us like a joke or something. Like this is right, an right. A and B conversation. <laughs> See your way out. <laughs> maybe <laughs> so he just meant happened. like elementary information. Like here's like the ABCs. Like your daughter was a fucking bitch. Like that's oh, right. that oh, the vibe. Okay, that makes sense. Um, it definitely feels like a much older person wrote that though. Like that seems like they would have something they would have said a long I time ago. Definitely thought when I first heard it, it was like, okay, ABC, like the station, like news, news information. Like is that what he's trying to say? Like, he's the one calling the newspaper. Right? Like, but also like, can we talk about how, does Jean understand how the criminal justice system works? Because she talks to him. He's like, oh, yeah, your daughter, whatever. She's an idiot. She's a bitch. Blah, blah, blah. And she's like, come with me to the police station. I'm like, yeah, he's just going to go with you. Like, you can't arrest him, Jean. Citizen the rest. Right. Yeah, I kept thinking during this scene in particular with um, Pat at the station is, um, what is her name? Pat? I think so, yeah. Keep calling no her idea. different names, I think. But anyway, she's like, um, I kept thinking, like, okay, we have such a benefit in living in 2020 that we've never really had to like go in fully raw, like not knowing what to expect of like a murder or you know, I mean, like we all sort of know how things go with the cops. Um, they're generally unhelpful and. Uh, often violent and they profile people um but like it's interesting because like if you ever were in a situation like that i I would think just based off of the amount of like crime shows i've watched that i would sort of understand the process a little bit but they had no they really like what did they do like watch 60 minutes and like two years after something (laughs) happened they would report a story like we're just living in like peak true crime like depictions of cops on television world right now like internet world so i i just was thinking to myself like jesus christ gene like wait till you find out about law and order like wait till that hits the airwaves because it's gonna blow your mind (laughs) yeah Um, i just always i always felt like gene was like 
I, I don't know. It's just she wasn't getting enough information. So I don't know if it's just like the thing back then to just not tell families very much or like what she was expecting out of the investigation. It's also confusing of like how much time has passed. Is she upset because it's been like several months and she hasn't gotten anything or has it been like a week? Like, I don't, so I don't know. So we actually got indication of time because I thought initially that when I thought Jenny died right after Labor Day. But they're questioning people about October 1st. So yeah. it's been no time because then shortly thereafter, and that's like jump ahead. Like they, they do go to Christmas. I'm like, it's only been two, like it's been two months. And she's like really just running around this town freaking out. Like I was under the impression that okay, this is like six months, maybe nothing's happened. It's like, honey, like. <laughs> yeah. And I know on. that the, like, and like the real life timeline like the timeline of everything like it the investigation was three years before they made any arrest or anything so i don't know if they were trying to like depict that kind of like mother and angst being like really frustrated that she doesn't have answers yet or mm. i don't know that must have been frustrating for the family to see that mm. like depiction because they really did have to be incredibly patient for their daughter's killer to like their daughter's killers to be held to like, you know, brought to justice. Um, But, you know, the X factor here is that Ellen is like riling her up. Like there's never Mm -hmm. a dull moment over at that house. Like one thing she's like, you know, hanging up a mobile in the nursery. And the next thing you know, Ellen's like completely in distract mode, like pulling her out very worked up about this motorcycle guy. I mean, if Ellen had just channeled her energy, she was already in Hollywood, baby. Like she could have made it like she she really sells her panic. And like, we know she's a liar. So like, we're sort of watching this being like, Jean, why don't you know she's a liar? But um, she's doing a very good job of like riling her up and convincing her at any given point, you know, She's saying, like, I've got another suspect. Like, if, you know, Mm -hmm. just anytime, no one ever is questioning Ellen, but Ellen just can't let the moment sit, um, Mm -hmm. which is really concerning. Um, And also just toxic in and of itself. Like, I just, if I was Jean, I would be like, I don't need this. Like, I really don't need to just be going about my day and all of a sudden this girl's bursting in my house with like another suspect. Like at that point, call the cops, like tell the cops who the suspects are and let them do the work. Cause obviously you're a little bootleg detective agency, like Olsen and Olsen mystery. Like they really need to calm the fuck down. Like it's intense. Um, Especially since it's like, um, it's not even just, okay, she's doing this because she's trying to like, you know, get the scent off of herself. It's also like, it's gone to the point where it's purely attention towards herself from Jean. Mm -hmm. Like as soon as Jean stops paying attention to Jenny's murder, then what is Ellen's purpose? But to just be there on her floor asleep. You know, speaking of the Olsen twins, I feel like they (laughs) would have been, a huge asset here because I mean, Mary Kate Olson possibly did get away with murder. Um, and, uh, so, you know, but then also, yeah, I think they would have this crime solved by dinner time. I absolutely think that they would have been someone that you needed around right now. And they were in Hollywood, you know, I, they, I think that the Olson twins could have worked a little harder if you know what I mean on their hours off from full house. (laughs) <laughs> they truly missed out like the investigators missed out on having their help for sure <laughs> can you imagine 
like next to Pat, we have Michelle going like, how rude. Um, okay, so um, Jean leaves the police station and she gets in Ellen's car and she's like, are you okay? What did those damn cops do to you? Again, like God. making her be an enemy with everyone. And she's like, you know what? You're never going to believe this. Guess who they suspect? And she's like, who? And she's like, you. Which I'm like, why? Don't tell her that. Oh, don't. God. For so many reasons, don't tell her that. Like, because I don't even think Ellen, if she had a clear conscience, like, could handle that information. Um, but anyway, she doesn't get upset. She just turns to her, you know, back to the wheel, starts the car. So it's night now, and the entire family and more are in the living room. It's like a real gathering, and Ellen has an announcement to make. And she says she doesn't know how to say this, but Celeste woke up in the middle of the night saying that Jenny got hit by a rock. Jenny was underwater. They think that it was just a dream. Like maybe Celeste overheard this because, you know, she is like four years old. But Ellen is trying to sell this story that, you know, um, Celeste claims um, she's trying to sell the story. So she says that Celeste claims that Jenny was the one who told her. So she's pretending that she's a medium now. Um, <laughs> and then little Celeste pops up um, and she goes, Jenny got hit with a rock. She's bleeding. So then um, Ellen says she's going to go out to the woods. Um, she has like her baby with her and she's like, I'm going to go to the woods. Uh, maybe the cops missed something, maybe a clue. So then um, Greg falls her. She's like, Greg, go after her. And then Cheryl and the boys head out. But then she says to Adam, like, Adam, no, don't don't leave. I need a man to stay. And like, honestly, like oh, Adam so flattered to have been called a man. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> exactly. Like. <laughs> but okay, so I'm gonna play another like three minute scene. Sorry, guys, this movie is just too good not to share. And I'm, I not only yeah. apologize to the guests, but like I just apologize to probably whoever's, you know, whoever's not gonna sue me for playing this much of the movie. But um, this scene was definitely where I thought, oh, she's gonna make Cheryl miscarry. She's gonna like trip her in the woods or something and make her yeah. fall on her stomach. Um, 102.51 to 106.40 and um, shout out to the guest appearance from the owl. Okay, let's play this. <laughs> Where do we go? The paper says it happened at the creek, east of the parking lot. Ellen, wait, I got the map. I'm letting Jenny guide me. Trippy. Very trippy. Excuse me, the creeps. have happened somewhere around here.
You said you were never up here. I've never been near here in my life. Dan must have carved it. Dan. He always wanted Jenny. Yeah. She wouldn't have anything to do with him. Come on, guys. What are you saying? I'm saying that Dan couldn't have Jenny, so he didn't want anybody else to have her either. He used to go nuts if I even called her on the phone. Yeah, but that's... He threw firecrackers at her on Labor Day. What was that? How do you know that was him? I was there with him. All of a sudden, he takes off, and I go to follow him. Then he goes to the bushes, and he whips a handful of ladyfingers at her and runs off laughing. That was Dan, huh? Jean should hear this. No. She's exhausted. Let her sleep. Dan wasn't even at Jenny's funeral. Everybody was at Jenny's funeral. Except him, why? I'm sure the cops have talked to him. Those are idiots, Cheryl. Don't you get it? Don't yell at her. It's your sister, Greg. Whose side are you on? Okay. One night, Dan and I had a fight about Jenny. And he said that one day she was going to get mixed up with somebody who was going to kill her for the type of crap she pulled. His exact words. Dan, this is Ellen. I want to ask you something. Did it matter to you when Jenny was killed? Ellen, it's three o'clock in the morning. What is this? You hated Jenny, admit it. She wouldn't come back to you. She wouldn't sleep with you. She totally blew you off. So you took her up into the woods, didn't you? No way. You're a liar. Hey, you're nuts, Ellen. I will! What do you say? Okay, so <laughs> I feel that Ellen has missed her calling because the improv when she got off the phone and was like, he said, prove it. I was mm -hmm. like, girl, you could be like a hack medium so easily. Like Tyler Henry who? Like you could literally <laughs> pretend like you're a psychic medium. You've got great improv skills. Like you're obviously a little like not totally with it. So people would be like, oh, yeah, she's got the gift. Like she absolutely <laughs> missed her calling and could have she could have just rode off into the sunset making bank as like a medium. But she chose not to. Um, just for anyone who's wondering what the carving in the woods was, it wasn't the one that said like Celeste and Jenny forever or whatever or Ellen and Jenny forever. It was like, it said Dan, Dan plus Jenny. So that was like probably when they were dating. Um, mm -hmm. But then Jenny is crossed out and Ellen is written under it, which like, again, I'm like, Ellen, that's not cool. Like <laughs> it's not cool to be like the replacement chick. Like I wouldn't take it to wood, you know, like I would, <laughs> I would just be embarrassed enough moving about my life, knowing that about myself, but whatever. Um, the Ellen's making it personal. I was disappointed we didn't get a hoo-hoo from the owl in the woods. I was waiting for that. Um, but so these kids are all like ripping brewskis, um, except for Cheryl, obviously. And um, I'm a little, you know, concerned about like these three kids playing detective around the dinner table, drinking beer with Ellen working them up the whole time. And at this point, Steve's like, you know what? 
I, uh, I'm going to take care of this. I know where to get a gun and I will be back. So, um, Ellen tells him just effortlessly take the body, dump it in the river and pour some pool (laughs) acid on him. That way, by the time they find the body, they won't be able to identify him. And one more thing, bring me back a finger to prove to me that he's dead. Like a mob boss. Like who is she? She also was like getting off on it because the way she mm-hmm. says it is like, bring me a fucking finger as proof. It's like, whoa, what? <laughs> like, how is no one aware that she's guilty at this point? I know, absolutely. She yeah. like is calculated. Yeah. And all of this just seemed like such backyard country shit, but like <laughs> all of them were just sitting around the table, just like. And he was like, yeah, I know where to get a gun. I'm going to take care of it. And no one, like, no one was trying to stop him. No one was like, hey, maybe don't pour acid on him. Maybe we should talk this out. Maybe we should call the police. Like, everyone was just kind of on board with it. And then (laughs) I was like, is this just, like, the normal, like, I just think of, like, country people in a trailer park, like, like, chugging beers, like, talking about all this shit, like, while smoking meth. Like, I just feel like it's all the same realm of things <laughs> happening. I mean, totally. Just because you wear, like, a tie to work, like, doesn't mean you're any less of, like, a thug than anyone else in the world. But, like, truly, I wish Greg had had the sense to be like, okay, I'm an adult man. I've only had one Bud Light. I'm going to go ahead and say I would like to see my sister's murderer brought to justice and not killed in the same way that she was. Um, also, like, I realized that Breaking Bad had a lot of extensive researchers on their staff, but, like, I feel like they might have ripped the idea to um, use acid to dissolve a human body from this movie. I think that that's actually might be Ooh. the entire inspiration for the show Breaking Bad. If I, I had love to guess. that theory. I, I, love I, that. I'd love to think of it that way. I, have I think they gotten worked backwards. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. No, I have a quick question. So... Are we to believe then that Ellen rehearsed Celeste to do this? And the owl, was he a part of this? Or is that just like a nice little <laughs> special thing that happened? It's the mechanical owl from Harry Potter. Um, <laughs> I think that she definitely coached Celeste for sure. I mean, but like Celeste, not just as like an actress in this movie, because like I thought that for a Lifetime or a TV movie kid, she was actually... She kind of hit her marks in a in a good way. Mm-hmm. I I liked Celeste this whole movie, um, but I uh, yeah, I mean the in the water stuff. Like, when would she even be able to feed her those lines? Like, she also again, Ellen had another option. Like, put this girl to work. <laughs> I mean, she really just missed her calling. Like, they could have been been making bank, and they they turned it down. Honestly. I have come up with so many solutions for Ellen that are better than food stamps and like focusing on this murder her whole life. And she has taken none of them. And so to that, I say, Ellen, you are useless. You're a useless person. Um, You you were the friend that Ellen needed all along. Yeah, I think that that was me for sure. Are you kidding me? Ellen would have had me in her finger. I would have, I would have gone down so hard. I would be like, I'm beyond Kathy. Like, not only would I have a scar on my face, but like, it would, no, it would be a mess. 
Um, so Adam overhears all of this and he like goes and wakes up Jean and Jean's like, um, to Greg and Cheryl, she's like, what the fuck? Why didn't you stop this? Why didn't you stop Steve from leaving? And he's like, one thing just led to another. Um, which is true. That is like the Ellen story is she makes one thing lead to another. And mm-hmm. Jean's like, you know, this was, this is out of control. So she picks up the phone and is like, where does Steve live? And, um, not Steve, um, Dan, where does Dan live? And so she goes to call, um, the police to like, say like, you know, go get this guy. Um, and Ellen keeps hanging up the phone being like, what are you doing? Like the police are no help to us. So then Steve appears in um, the door and Jean's like, what happened? And he's like, I didn't do it. And everyone but Ellen is like deeply relieved. Like they're like, oh, right. thank God that's so bad. <laughs> and um, Steve's like, listen, I was pumped to do it. But when I got to the window, this feeling washed over me and I, I just know he didn't do it. So Ellen's like, you blew it. Okay. You were, you were Jenny's boyfriend. You were supposed to help her. Um, you know, if you want, if you want, um, and he's like, well, if you want him dead so bad, go do it yourself. And she lunges at him and she's like, you're a gutless coward. And Jean yells at her to stop. And she's like, I'm just doing this for you, Jean. And she's like, doing what? (laughs) Jean is so blind to Ellen and like her tactics. Like she's, She's that person. What is it? It reminds me of um, a dirty John where it's like the mom's like so blind to like how bad John is yes. to everyone oh. and everyone else oh. sees it, but she doesn't you, see it. And that's Jean. Jean you are on Damn. it with that. You like, that was like a queenly reference because I <sighs> just watched that and like, it's, it was so maddening the whole time. Like, why didn't, how, how does she not know mm-hmm. how? Um, but like, you know, you get wrapped up in these people and I'm sure like the last person you expect this from is a teenage girl, like to be a criminal mastermind like this. Um, (laughs) so Ellen says that Jean doesn't understand it's because she loves her and she loves Jenny and Jean's like, listen, that means a lot to me, but this vengeance thing has to stop. We're tearing each other apart. Um, and they hug and make up. So then Jean leaves some flowers at Jenny's grave and she's like, we, you know, rest in peace girlfriend like you know she said some stuff to her about how we're working on it but we haven't found anyone yet and of course like she has one of those graves with like a very photorealistic picture of her on it which i don't know is not my taste um yeah i don't think like i would never feel confident picking the picture for that yeah but the world has to it know is- how beautiful jenny was oh totally that's true, that's true. but i and would I be like Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, oh, is her hair dated? Like, is that going to hold up in 40 years? Is that going <laughs> to translate? But go ahead. That was that was um, just a, a frivolous aside. What were you going to say, Lauren? Sorry. <laughs> There's something very, like, is traumatizing too big of a word? Just, like, very kind of striking and kind of shocking when you're walking through a graveyard, like, walking on top of dead people and then you like go to a grave and you see a photo of that person that you're currently walking on. Like there's just something weird about it. And I, and they're never people that, you know, so it's just very uncomfortable. So anyone listening out there that is in charge of my will and testament, do not put a picture of myself on my gravestone. Thank totally. you. Totally. You heard it here first guys. <laughs> Everyone refer back to this. 
<laughs> hopefully that in 40, no, not 40 years, hopefully in um, 60 years uh, when mm. that's a necessary thing, we'll, we'll come back to this episode. So um, Ellen and Jean are cooking in the kitchen. Celeste is sitting on the counter and basically like it's time's up. Like Jean is ready for things to change a little bit. And she starts to tell her something about how, Oh, you know, I'm just worried for you. And then she goes, you know what? I'm not being truthful. Basically you have, you have a family like you and your daughter are a family staying with us is holding you back. Um, and Ellen's like, no, I've grown so much here. And Jean's like, listen, go home, Ellen. Um, so, Ellen's obviously devastated, but then rages out and throws a knife up against the wall and it sticks. Um, then Ellen goes and like pulls it out of the wall. Jean isn't there for that, though, of course. She would never be like, yep. guess what, Jean? I'm secretly evil. Yeah, but uh, Celeste is. Let's not forget yeah, that Celeste, Celeste is, is also sitting there. Still <laughs> sitting there. <laughs> Poor like little Celeste. Like the amount of information we've watched her internalize mm-hmm. is ins- it's like a lifetime of therapy. Like I feel like the state of California owes her therapy twice as long as her mother's prison sentence so um ellen is grocery shopping with celeste at the store and celeste puts something in the cart and she's like you're so selfish celeste we can't afford that um and then she rounds the corner with her cart and bumps into Jean, who looks like she's on the other side of where we last left her she's dressed in a suit she has her makeup done she looks really great ellen on the other hand though is a f- like a frump master. She's like really frumping it up. And, you know, if it, it would be one thing, if we didn't also know she's a murderer, I'd be like, Oh, she's a single mom. She's busy. But I'm like, no, she's, mm-hmm. she's depressed because she lost like her host family, like the people that she can take the most energy from. Um, so apparently it's been a whole year since they last seen each other and things are tense to say the least. Um, Ellen picks up a can from Jean's cart and says, I see you're going to make your famous pumpkin pie. And she's like manhandling the can a little bit and plops it back into the cart as if it's not a heavy can. Like, I don't know how else to describe it other than she's being disrespectful to her groceries. Um, And Jean's like, I'm so glad I ran into you. I wanted to invite you to Thanksgiving. And Ellen's like, well, I've got plans, but see you soon. And they, you know, they all give each other a hug and a kiss. Um, so then Greg and Cheryl's baby is like six months or something. And she's playing in like the doorway and one of those little bouncy swings. Um, again, I'm so relieved Ellen allowed this baby to live. Um, the <laughs> priest is there. So obviously he's forgiven Jean for that. Yeah. But I think the priest is a drinker. He's like pouring out the white wine. I'm like, I don't think I've ever seen a priest hold a Chardonnay bottle before, but that's, that's some, that's good. Um, So Jean is still the mom that people go to. Steve is there for dinner. It looks like a lot of friends of the family sort of situation. And as soon as the turkey hits the table, the doorbell rings. It's Ellen. And Jean says to Cheryl, like, just remember, like, treat her like family today. So um, Ellen is dressed like an absolute insane person. She's wearing a floral <laughs> dress and a velvet choker with like a cameo on it. And I know what I know exactly the look she was going for. She was going for that like blossom six look with like the yeah. little like, you know, dramatic choker. But like mm-hmm. it, they just they're it's like the the dress is like a spring dress. And, and that's a very winter choker she's wearing. <laughs> They don't work. Um, 
so after dinner, like a freak, Ellen goes up to the nursery, aka Jenny's oh old room, and picks up the baby, and she starts twirling her around for what feels like five minutes, just as like a viewer on the outside. Um, and she's like, Jean comes in, she's like, "What are you doing?" And she's like, "Oh, I want to hold the baby." Um, and Jean, you know, puts her to puts the baby back down to sleep, and um, Ellen's like, "So, have you heard anything about the murder?" And Ellen's like, "You know what?" Um, this is Thanksgiving today. We're, we're thankful about what we do have. So that's a non-confirmation that there's been no update because she'd be thankful that she had information if she had it. Um, Mm -hmm. so after dinner, Jean is cleaning up and there's a knock at the door and it's Ellen and she's back with Carla this time. Um, Knowing no more info has come up, Ellen's got to make things messy again. It was almost too peaceful of a Thanksgiving for this family. Um, the Monroes are not allowed to have a day. So I'm, this is like, I'm going to play a lot of sort of the end of this movie. There's going to be two, like a three minute clip and then a four minute clip later. Um, this clip is 117.04 to 120.17. You guys, it's about to get fucking juicy and we're going to get a little upsetting life update on Carla. You better hear this, Jean. Now. Hear what? I ain't got nothing to say. She's toast. She won't talk. Let me at her. I can get the truth out of her. Okay. What do you mean you can't hear? You can't hear. You can't see what? You have to tell these people the truth. You I can't take much more of this. I'm trying to put it all behind me. She'll talk now. Excuse me. I dropped Jenny off at this community center. She owed Jimmy. Mark has 500 bucks because he funded her the money for some coke. She left with him. That never happened. You're lying. No, I'm not. Do you know where Marquez is now? Do you know? Do you know where he is now? No. No. Jean, come in here, please. Look at Jean. Look at Jean. Look at your friend's mother. Look at what she's going through. I want you to look into her eyes and tell her some of the lies you've been telling me since you've been in here. I swear I'm not lying. Jenny was not into cocaine. But you are, aren't you? You are. I, I can't think. Can't think. Why, after a year, does she come forward and change her story? For one thing, Marquez is conveniently dead. 
He was shot last month. And when he was alive, he didn't have five bucks in his pocket, much less 500. Everything Carla told us from the beginning was a crock. Why go from one lie to another? Maybe this is the truth. Your daughter was not into drugs. How do you know that about Jenny? I know you think we've slacked off. The fact is I've never stopped looking for the bastard who killed your daughter. Okay. Um, I feel bad for Carla. I, I kind of yeah. do. I'm going to say yeah. it. She is, she's on like, she's on some shit. She's clearly like on something, even when she's in that room. Um, I think that her life has, she's not, she's never going to recover from being a part of this murder. Her life is down the tubes now. And I think that she, because she's a, a not a crazy person. Um, she's having a hard time moving past this. I forgot to point out, cause I don't even know if I noticed Ellen's crazy braid is back. <laughs> she's back around Jean. She's like, all right, I got to get my braid back. Yeah, I'm back in the game. Back in my life. You know, I gotta, gotta show up for her. <laughs> at that grocery store, she did not have a braid and she, it's a manipulative braid she has. So, um, yeah, Carla is like walking outside the station. She gets into Ellen's car and Carla's like, they didn't buy it. And Ellen's like, it doesn't matter. They can't prove anything and they'll never figure it out. <laughs> so, um, the yellow car that Kathy, I guess, was in outside of the church crying after the funeral pulls up to Jean's house. She still has this scar on her face. And frankly, it looks like it hasn't healed for a day. Um, <laughs> it's still bright red on her face. And I would think a year later, like maybe some scar tissue would have developed, but you know, girl, you couldn't put some neosporin on that. Like there's, you know, a dermatologist would do you some good. It's also it's like, like, right. Oh, like God. still bleeding. Actually. <laughs> she pulls up. Yeah. It's well, I mean, maybe there's a metaphor there. Ooh. That wound will never heal. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's very true. So we we got to give more credit to these people. Um, <laughs> so, um, Kathy's ready to talk. So she goes into the station and tells Pat everything. Um, because we've worked this hard, we deserve to hear the full confession. Um, Carla's going to give this confession to all of us. I'm going to take a break um, in between the confession because. You guys just don't need to hear Tiffany Amber Thiessen getting beat in the woods for <laughs> several minutes. But yeah. uh, here's probably the longest clip we'll hear today. I'm sorry. 12110 to 12544. And again, I want to tell you guys your MVPs. This is a long episode. I can't help myself. Um, all right. So here you go. I was afraid for my life. So I ran away. Tried not to think about what happened to Jenny and the pain her family, you know, suffered. The grief. You see, when somebody dies, they're not the only ones who suffer. I never knew that. Until my brother died. 
finally understood what Jean was going through. I couldn't hide anymore. Because I didn't tell for so long, does that make me an accessory or something? Kathy, did you kill Jenny? No. Did you have any part in it? No. I mean, I was there, but I... Then you won't be held responsible for anything, okay? Now, just tell me what happened. I was staying with Ellen at the time. That day she said, let's go to the park. Carla was there, she had picked up Jenny. So there never was any red money, Carla? No, Carla made that up. Or Ellen did. I don't even know why Ellen wanted me there. I what mean... happened in the park? We all started driving out towards the woods. That's where it all began. As we were driving up the hill, Carla turned off to a road on the right. Ellen and I were right behind her. Can you describe this road? Gravel, single lane. It went off to a parking lot by a creek. What did Ellen and Carla do? They started yelling at each other. Calling each other names. Like real sarcastic voices. I guess that was their plan. To make it seem like they hated each other. And they turned on Jenny and let her know that they were really against her. How did they do that? It was something like, we don't really hate each other, it's you we hate. Why were they mad at her? They said she had slept with their boyfriends. And then Ellen and Carla started naming off other boys. What was Jenny doing at this point? She was crying. Then what happened? Carla said, let's take a walk. Ellen, I swear I didn't do anything but Shut up, Lara! So sorry. Come on out here, Jenny. The water isn't too deep. Where do you think you're going? I'm just going in the car. Jenny, wait, Okay. <clears throat> I mean, what a easy week of work for Tiffany Amber Thiessen to get all the glory. Like she is barely in this. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, she did like maybe four days on this movie and she is for sure the star. I just um, 
have spent some of this time looking for Angie Ray McKinney, the actress who played Kathy, because I thought she did a good job here. Um, Her career is shockingly limited. She was only in um, four things after this. One of them I had noticed I had already looked up before because the link was purple. And it's a movie Mm -hmm. called Girls in Prison, 1994. And I think this might be one of the movies that has haunted me for years in terms of like a movie I saw when I was sick from home from school one day. Um, with mm-hmm. Anne Hache and Ioni Sky. I I really don't know why I've looked that up before. But um yeah, she's like I can't find her anywhere. She might be a um financial advisor in South Orange, New Jersey, but I'm guessing she got married and sort of quit the acting world, which is a shame because I thought she did a good job there. Yeah, I remember yeah. her from another lifetime movie. I want to say, I think it's called, it's like liar, liar between father and daughter or something. Like, I'm pretty sure she plays the older sister in that movie because she looks very familiar. And I feel like I've seen her before and definitely watched a movie with her. Is it called Killing Obsession? A deranged psychopath recently released from prison sets out in search of Annie, the 11 year old daughter of the woman he murdered 20 years earlier. No, I, I, I bet you it has another, like an alternate title, like this one in particular, as is often the case with um, yeah. Lifetime. It's like one where like the a daughter is like, she like lies a lot, but like she claims that her father um, like sexually abused her and then it becomes a whole thing of like, is she lying or is she not? And I think this girl plays the older sister. Unless she changed her name, this mm-hmm. girl after... After a killer month's friends only did killing obsession, um, an episode of a show called rebel highway, the girls in prison movie. And then a short in 1999 called gentlemen like Chris. Hmm. She played Gene Seberg in that. Um, who was, wasn't Gene Seberg, um, part of the Manson thing. No, that's Jay Sebring. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) He is. Um, Oh wait, Gene Seberg was a American like actress who oh, lived yeah. in France. Um, oh wait, what were you going to say? Sorry. No, 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 no. I, I was going to say who I thought Gene Seberg was, but I was wrong. It's fine. <laughs> um, you know what? Who cares? R.I.P. Andy <laughs> Ray McKinney. Like you should have been more of an actress, girl. You're pretty good. Um, yeah. yeah. So anyway, the girls are trying to drown her in the lake and they decide they need to find something to make her drown. We know what happened. They grabbed the stump and they put it on top of her. It was the stump right next to the one that they had carved like best friends forever. And, um, you know, get a life. These two just needed a life. Like (laughs) I know high school is such a trying time. You think whatever's happening then is going to be the rest of your life. Um, it, it just bothers – I it always bums me out when young people throw their lives away. Like, yeah. Yeah. Y- it didn't need to be all like that, you know? Um, so, Kathy is, like, obviously having a fucking meltdown by the car because she didn't realize she signed up to attend a murder that day. Um, and Ellen runs out of the woods first, like a bat out of hell in her overalls. And she's like <laughs> – um, 
we need to cover the body. And so then Kathy asks Carla, like, what she did. And Carla's, like, preoccupied already with hiding evidence. She's trying to, like, take her shoes off. And at one point, she has, like, one shoe on, one shoe off. Um, And then she panics, throws them all in the trunk of the car, and the two of them drive off together. Um, We're going to hear... 127.49 127.49 to 131.36, which is the end of um, Kathy's confession. We also hear a little bit of um, Carla sort of being like, yeah, we just committed a fucking murder. And um, Carla's humanity, again, shines through a lot more than Ellen. Very different reactions. Um, 127.49 to 131.36. Ellen and I killed her. Oh my god. Oh. Oh my god. I killed Jenny. Jenny's dead. Maybe I did. Maybe I should go back and. No! I gotta go back. No, stop it! I don't want to. I just wanna go Anyway, she deserved it for screwing my boyfriend. She just drove away like nothing had happened. I taught those girls how to swim, to drive, everything. Those girls were my daughter's best friends. On the surface, inside, Ellen was burning up with jealousy. Jenny was everything she wasn't and could never be. What about Carla? Carla's a follower. She was Ellen's puppet. My guy became Ellen's puppet. I mean, my God, to move into my home, become my daughter. Mm, Sick. That was the other part. Jenny wasn't enough. She wanted Jenny's mother. I loved her like she was my own. She's brilliant. Diabolical. She moved into your house so she could watch you suffer. And it gave her the opportunity to misdirect the investigation. Every time I paid less attention, or even when I told her she was under suspicion, she went right into her act. How could I be so stupid? Don't blame yourself. She fooled a lot of people. You're a loving, trusting person. Just like Jenny. And that's what got her killed, isn't it? No. She trusted and loved the wrong people. Look, I I know this isn't much, but I can arrange for you to be there when I bring them in.
Okay, Pat let her have that slap for free. She was like, <laughs> go for it. Like, the way she and Pat, Patty Duke and Pat sort of like nod to each other, like, not just like, thanks for catching the murderer or, I don't know, accepting the confession, but like, yeah, that slap felt good. I needed that. Um, I, the, okay, so Ellen's not wearing her manipulative braid when she comes in and then she like watches her friend get hauled off. And then when Patty Duke comes out from the crowd to like confront her, she puts this smile on like as if she's, you know, just knocking at the door looking for a popsicle on a summer day. Like she smiles at her like there's nothing <laughs> wrong. The mood changes in this scene are like consistent. I, I guess because I hate Ellen, I'm like holding it against the actress, but the actress does a good job, especially for like a TV movie. Um, it's a complicated character to play, I think, and she's really working it. Um, and of course, Tiffany Amber Thiessen, much like Jenny herself, gets all of the glory. Um, again, what is this actress's name? She was pretty good. Um, who played um, Ellen is... Margaret Welsh is her name. She's great. Um, so, yeah, of course, you know, we end this movie with Cheryl and Greg's baby, Lisa, turning one years old. It's like a horror show because, like, this baby, it looks like torture. Like, <laughs> this baby is, like, crying like crazy because the happy birthday song is very triggering. Um, I think you have to, at this time, you had to pay a lot of money to sing happy birthday as well. So, that was, like... Um, happy birthday is free now, but yeah. it, for a long time, the reason why you never heard happy birthday was because it costs money to sing it. Um, so they really, they spent the budget on that happy birthday. And if the baby was crying or not, they were going <laughs> to sing it. So, um, Jean stands outside and looks up at the stars and Adam comes out and Adam is a man now. He's a little, he, <laughs> somehow they grew him up in the, in the month and a half it took to shoot this movie. And he's like, you know, Cheryl and Greg got to go in a second. You know, what are you doing? She's like, I'm counting my lucky stars. So she, he goes back inside and she like looks up at the sky and she goes, I love you, Jenny sleep with the angels. And then a title card comes up saying the people who portrayed are portrayed as Ellen Holloway and Carla Lewis were subsequently convicted of second degree murder and sentenced to 15 years to life in the state penitentiary. Their first parole hearing will be in July, 1997. So this movie was made in 92, but the murders were committed in 85. I mean, it must have been pretty, um, it must have uh, instilled a sense of un a lack of ease rather in the viewer to see that in just five years, these people were potentially going to get out of jail. Yeah, for sure. And mm -hmm. I remember like, I think anytime I like, you know, watch something, on it's like based on a true story and then you like see it especially like today um especially from like a murder that happened you know in the 80s or 90s or 70s like a lot of times if it's like a second degree murder like a lot by now like they're out of jail or they're dead and so it's always like so alarming to see like was released in 2015 was released in 2012 and it's just like oh gosh they're out <laughs> I mean, I, I'm going to go ahead and just throw the book at her. I don't think Ellen should ever have been allowed out of jail. Ever. Like, she's very yeah. serious shit, dude. Um, yeah. 
So, you guys, this was a fantastic movie. I absolutely loved having you on. Thank you for sitting here and doing this with me for um, just a little over three hours now. So, I appreciate that. Um, is there? Do you guys have any thoughts? Final thoughts on the movie? Um, and if not, do you can do you want to tell people where to find you? Um, final. I, I mean, my no, mouth is just I on mean, the floor. <laughs> I love I love this movie. Like, mm-hmm. It's definitely one of my favorite lifetime movies. It has everything I love. There's teens. There's betrayal. There are weird improv moments in a the forest with a child and an owl. Like it's good stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I thought it was great. And also, I just remembered when I was going through IMDb. Um, there's. Um, an interview that Dr. Phil did with the actual real Helen or Ellen. No she was way. On Dr. Phil. Yeah. She was on Dr. Oh. Phil in 2015. It's only like a four minute clip on YouTube, but. Oh my God. Dude, yeah. that's Wags' favorite show. Wags, my dog will watch Dr. Phil. Like if I put Dr. Phil on in particular, he likes Dr. Phil and he likes Wife Swap. And he will watch those for hours. Like it's the only time I can get him to leave me alone is when, when DP is on, he loves it. Um, I'm going to totally watch that. That's crazy. And of course her little fame whore ass, like she could have had it all baby. Go be a psychic. I'm, I'm dying to see what she looks like in real life and, um, how she is. We will include that definitely. Um, if not in our episode notes, we will have it probably on our Patreon for sure. Like it's that's, I got to include that. Now, to get to you guys, you have a great podcast. It was such a fun discussion we had about season three, episode three of DeGrasse. It was so good. Um, the episode wasn't that good, but you guys were great. Um, do you want to tell everyone about your show, how it came together, um, what you guys do? Because we have a apparently like quite a bit of crossover. I had a lot of people... When I posted the show on my Instagram, people reaching out to me being like, no way. Oh, my God. I can't believe like this is so great. You guys are together. So, um, (laughs) I mean, I'm sure a lot of people listening know who you are and what you do. But just for anyone who who wants more of you. Yeah. um, Everybody wants something. It's a Degrassi junior high and I guess soon enough a Degrassi high podcast. Uh, Lauren and I are obsessed with Degrassi. We have been friends for a very long time. And I would say that a big foundation of our friendship has been <laughs> Canadian teenagers. <laughs> so we're doing that now, but um, you can find us like, I, I think at this point, anywhere you listen to podcasts. So yeah, check out, please do. Um, we're also on Instagram as a, uh, I found you guys the other day. I forget what it is. Everybody Uh, underscore wants underscore something pod on Instagram. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm so excited about you guys. I definitely um, I want to help you out, too. Like, I really think you guys are great. So um, if there's any way I can be helpful to you in the pod space, please let me know. Um, This was really, really fun. You guys, all of their episode or all of their information will be in the episode description. So you can find these two brilliant queens. Thank you for coming and doing this movie with me. It was something that I was 
really nervous about doing for a long time um, because I know it means so much to people. But I think that you guys, as I said at the top, I think you're the perfect people to have done this with. And I really enjoy talking to you. So thank you so much. Thanks so so much much for having us. It was so much much fun. fun. Of course, darlings. Now, I know um, where you are, it's past my bedtime. So I'm going to let you go. So (laughs) your life. But um, thank you so much for coming and doing this. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.